0: Dr. Kevin Winters, tell me how you almost became a Dallas Cowboy. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, actually, that was probably more in my mind than in actuality. But uh, now it was one of those things growing up that uh, it seems like I was always very interested in, in sports and athletics and football. And growing up in the Midwest, That's football is the thing. And and at the time, I was just, uh, uh, felt connected to the Dallas Cowboys. And so as a result, I mean, I I kind of went overboard. But as a kid, I could tell you statistics about every player, where they're from, what they did, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it was a deep dive into everything Dallas Cowboy. But, you know, in actuality, it was, like I said, it was probably more of a dream than anything else. played multiple sports through high school, played college football at at, at Kansas State once I was there it, the the leap from high school to college is is tremendous it's it's completely different game, but the leap then forward from college to professional is a whole different level, and I realized that that I wasn't that good, no matter how bad I wanted to be, but that's also the time that I realized, uh, you know, academically I was doing pretty good and had a chance maybe to, to go further academically. And it kind of felt this interest for, for dentistry as a profession. And, and uh, so it got to the point where it's just a realization that, hey, my, my football career is pretty much over. I need to look at big picture and what's going to take me, you know, into life. And, and that definitely um, was the choice to go
0: into dentistry. And tell us about neuromuscular dentistry. Uh, and, and does yeah. that differ from air, being an airway dentist or are those synonymous?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you can, they, they're different, but they're very interrelated. Okay, so in dental school, even currently, certainly when I was there, and there's really no mention of anything about neuromuscular dentistry because what we're talking about there is the relationship of muscles and nerves and how that affects things that that go on with your jaw and development of your of your face over time, and traditional dental teaching tells us nothing about that at all. Uh, it's teeth and bones, and angles, and very hard tissue-structured stuff. I mean, one of the things that that's related to the jaw in particular is, I mean, we're basically all taught that the, your jaw moves like a, a hinge on a door. Okay, you, you open the door and it just it hinges one way and closes, it goes back the other way. But if you feel your jaw when you open and close your jaw, it doesn't do that at all. In fact, it, there, there's an interesting test that if you put your your first finger in your ear with your teeth closed and then just open, the first movement that you feel is your jaw moving forward. So that right there changes your concept of this hinge movement to something that actually translates forward and, and hinges at the same time as it opens. But all of dentistry and all of... Um, joint teachings and occlusion teachings that that have to do with the movement of the jaw center around this hinge axis movement, which is false from the very beginning. But it's also interesting in that, that the formal teaching of occlusion and, and jaw movement and stuff, when you're going through dental school, it's made to be like this almost you know, this mysterious thing that only a few people really understand. And, you know, maybe you as a student can get some of the concepts, but some of the things they teach you, it just, they don't make sense. No one can do it. No one can, you know, you're you're not the gifted master who's teaching all this stuff. And so occlusion and jaw movement just kind of gets put on the back burner. You get out and dentists that are now Actually out in the field and working and seeing patients, most of the time when there's something jaw related, um, they say, here, you know, go get a get a night guard and put it in and you'll be okay. Which is really nothing more than I don't know what to do. So put this in there and maybe it'll work, maybe it doesn't. I don't know where to go with this. And that's the majority of dentists now. That was me until I learned better. But that's a, a, a reflection of the educational part of that for all of us up, up, up to this point. So neuromuscular dentistry then is almost the the antithesis of that. It's saying that I really don't care that much about teeth and bones and you know that kind of stuff. It's more about what are the muscles doing in movement? How do the nerves initiate the muscles to make these changes? What's the proprioception of things once the movement has happened? And then, once you take that into consideration, you can simply make all the puzzle pieces fit wherever that location is. Because no matter what happens, your teeth coming together, wherever that is in, in, in a person's bite and structure, is dictated by a multitude of things that go back to birth. And it starts this, this uh, uh, just line of action and result, action and result j- the, from the very beginning that forms your face and forms where your teeth meet. And the majority of that has nothing to do with the muscles. So the muscles have to accommodate that and, and close your, your, your teeth together so you can chew and swallow and things like that. But they weren't really asked their opinion of things. You know, they were dictated by the the growth and formation of the bones and then where the teeth meet and have to accommodate to that position. But then that is in turn what leads to so many symptoms related to TMJ problems. So we've found that it, it although the focus sometimes gets Put on what's happening with the teeth. the teeth are simply a symptom of this other issue that's not so easily seen but is really the driving force for the problems. So then uh, your goal as a neuromuscular dentist is to identify what that issue is, what the muscles want to do, how that coordinates with how the teeth function, in an effort to become symptom free to get rid of a multitude of different, uh, problems that this, this uh, TMJ or TMD problem can create and, and do so in a way where things are pretty predictable now. I mean, if you follow certain protocols that we have, it's, it uh, has become you know fun to do and it's taken a lot of the, the anxiety away from treating crazy TMJ patients, which we were all taught they, everyone is, but again, that has to do with, you don't know what to do with them. So they're nuts. It, it's their problem. It's not me. And instead of, I need to learn more about this so I can help these people. So long, long story here, Around back to the original question. So neuromuscular dentistry face, er, er, focuses really on muscles and movement and things like that. Airway-driven dentistry um, is more about, you know, you just got to breathe how can dentistry be a part of helping someone breathe um and again that it's it's very um multifaceted again going back to and as so much of this does what's happening as it a, as a, as an infant as a child what what about the formation of the skull and how do you create this airway problem down the road you know what's led to this you just didn't wake up one day and have this problem it it's it's an evolution over time of uh, of the realization that you're not breathing well, and so the airway focus in dentistry can can uh, disregard some of the neuromuscular concepts, but neuromuscular concepts always consider airway. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's different ways of help trying to help airway issues in dentistry, but it has nothing to do with the response of the muscles, okay? It's just simply, how can I get the airway larger so you can breathe better irregardless of anything else? But what happens many times in those situations is it can actually create other problems because they weren't addressed from a muscular standpoint along with the the airway opening process. So yeah, they're related, but different at the same time.
0: Okay, so in in my case, and for those listening, a lot of the stuff we're going to cover is based on my subjective experience of right. working with you and your team at uh, the Hills Dental Spa over the past—I don't know how many months. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm finally done now. I'm scheduled for my next cleaning in a couple months yeah. or something. But yeah. I'm like we finally. went, we went through a, a major reconstruction, and right. um, what led to that was. I think, who knows, and maybe you have some insight into this in terms of you know what happens at a birth uh, if a baby is using a pacifier or is breastfed or is tongue-tied and some of the things that lead to this. But essentially, I think what my situation was was that I had some airway obstruction throughout my life and thus would clench and grind my teeth at night when I was sleeping and just wore down my teeth to dysfunctional nubs. Yeah. Really like I could barely even chew a steak. <laughs> it's <was> like a <laughs> huge project. And I'd always gone to well not always, but in my adult life gone to biological dentist and, you know, made sure I got my mercury fillings removed and we weren't using any toxins and, you know, we were using biocompatible um composite to fill well, fillings, which is
1: all important stuff.
0: Yeah. And then I reached a point, even with, you know, doctors Nunnally and Owens out here in Marble Falls, who are great at that type of dentistry and uh, kind of reached a point with them where they're like, you've hit the threshold of how we can help you. (laughs) You Because you basically need all crowns and veneers, like your teeth are just gone and you know, their strategy to a certain point was, well, we, you know, we want to keep as much of your original organic tooth matter as possible. We don't want to keep drilling and filling and till you have nothing. Um, So I kind of hit a wall there, but it seems that a lot of that had to do with the grinding. And I went to uh, just a regular neighborhood dentist in Koreatown, God, probably 20 years ago. And and they said, you, you know, you grind and you need to wear this night guard. It was like $750 for the night guard. And stupidly at the time i thought they were just trying to like sure. give me another line item on the bill and you know milk me for 750 dollars. so i was like ah, i don't need that went on for years grinding and i have and having no idea because you're sleeping like you don't i didn't wake up going oh my god i'm grinding but the uh, degradation of my tooth height showed that so um Kyle Kingsbury led me to you, um, a patient of yours and a friend of mine, and uh, he had a similar kind of problem. So, my question it was either
1: had, that for him or getting punched in the
0: face a few hundred yeah, times. But, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, no, it, it was very similar. Yeah. So,
0: the interesting thing about it for me is if I hadn't found you and I would have just went to, I guess, like a cosmetic dentist that could have just capped all my old, you know, damaged teeth, they would have just built that bite on a misaligned bite based on my old bite that was wrong right 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 so i feel like i dodged a bullet in that it was just the time had come where i needed new permanent teeth because mine were just not usable yeah um how many people do you think go and get you know a whole mouth restoration with dentists that are ignorant of Airways and the neuromuscular aspect. Yeah, of it.
1: no, that, that's, that's very, very true. Um, the, the challenge that, that we have in, in this neuromuscular field is, is one of just exposing this to more dentists. And one of the things that, that I've been involved with throughout my career is, is a, there's a teaching facility in Las Vegas where uh, for 25-plus years now, I've been a clinical instructor uh, there of, of courses that teach dentists how to do this stuff, okay? And, and in that time, um, we've we've uh, served over 10,000 dentists from 52 different countries across the world, teaching them about this type of dentistry. Um, it's gotten to the point now where I'm actually uh, kind of changed from clinical instructor to uh, Um, myself and a couple other guys are actually in charge of doing all the courses. And the challenge that we have with this is getting people into the courses, getting dentists into the courses. Um, Been around for a long time. The track record is certainly there. The success is there. But many times dentists in in this area don't want to step outside the box of what they've learned. You know, it's they, they learn this, they're comfortable with this, this is what their buddy knows, this is what their dad, who was a dentist, knew, this is, this is, is it. And if I have to go learn all this other stuff, it's going to take time, it's going to take money, it's going to take effort. And so sometimes dentists have the, the opinion that, you know, being okay is good enough. They don't want to go to the next level. They don't want to continue the the learning process to be able to expand their knowledge so they can help this huge group of people that have issues that need help that just are either ignored or uh, kind of poo-pooed along the way. It's like, yeah, you know, take this pill. You'll be okay. And, you know, it's honestly kind of more of a traditional medical approach to things instead of finding the source of what the problem is, take this medicine. You know, it's there's a, a group in dentistry that says clinching, grinding, TMJ pain and issues, it's all psychological. Just it's it's in your head. It's really not happening. You you should meditate. You should do whatever and If
0: that worked, I would have been fixed a long time ago. <laughs> I've been meditating yeah. for a long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people would, but when you think about this stuff; it, it just it doesn't make sense for that to to be that way. So, you know, the, the unfortunately, there, and 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 patients don't know. You know, that many choose choose their providers based on their friends have had a great experience, or, or they're somewhere. They personally liked the the office, the doctor. He's nice. He didn't hurt me. But the decisions are made more based on things like that rather than knowledge of procedures and, and things that could truly help them instead of just kind of masking over the fact. You know, you talk about having your situation done with, with a, a cosmetic dentist or, or whatever. I'm sure they could have made your teeth very nice and pretty and all that kind of stuff my question is three four or five ten years from now how many of them are still going to be in there that haven't chipped and cracked and broken because if you're doing that to your own teeth you're absolutely going to do it to porcelain teeth because they don't wear they break so yeah initially it can look nice but the question then becomes how long is it going to last and you didn't have a lot of pain type of symptoms but most people in situations like yours do. And so in that same scenario, you could go and have a, a pretty smile. It looks nice, but you still have all these other issues from headaches, ear issues, facial pain, neck issues. I mean, it's it's very far reaching. So pretty smile versus I still feel that like crap. I mean, now in doing it the way that you've experienced in, in, in this kind of this more Uh, total body approach to things, then you can have the great smile, know that it's going to last, and not have pain all at the same time.
0: As we age, it's almost cliche for us to start packing on a few extra pounds around the old belly area. It just seems to be a natural byproduct of getting older and, of course, from eating more than our share of comfort foods, and yours truly is definitely guilty of both. Most of us like to look and feel fit, but apart from the vanity of having a flat tummy, increased abdominal fat is also associated with a higher risk of diabetes and heart disease. Now, of course, we can eat right and work out, but what if I told you there was an easy way to target abdominal fat and support your gut biome at the same time? Well, thankfully, there is. It's called SynFit by Infinity Biotechnology. SynFit is a breakthrough multi-strain symbiotic designed to reduce body fat by working with our gut flora. You might be asking, what is a symbiotic? Well, SynFit Symbiotic is a combination of four ultra-powerful probiotic strains clinically demonstrated to fight the battle of the bulge. After they combine these strains, they're then synergized with a powerful prebiotic, all to create a novel and highly potent product for accelerated fat loss. If you want to check this stuff out and shed a couple pounds, here's what you do. Go to infinitybiotechnology.com and use the code LUKE10 to save 10% off your order. And the probiotics in SINFIT, by the way, aren't just for fat loss. They're also to affect other important parameters such as key cardiovascular and metabolic health markers. So again, to tighten up that waistline, just go to infinitybiotechnology.com. You know, as you're describing that, I don't think I noticed it until right now, but I don't have neck pain anymore. That's... We we deal with so much That's so <laughs> it, weird, which, which I is crazy. I didn't realize it's kind of one of those things like you have something that just becomes chronic and nagging and then you sort of just numb it out. And it takes I realize right now it's taken me some time to actually identify that it's much better, even though I didn't do I mean, I worked with Alex Ribchinski, um, who I'm sure was helpful in getting everything aligned structurally so that my new bite fits. So that was great working with him. Shout out to Alex. But um, yeah, I thinking back, even kind of throughout the procedure, as we were putting in the temporary orthotics and all that, which we can talk about. Um, I was still having some neck problems. You know, just waking up, just yeah. no, feeling weird. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm happy to report that that's gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, really and what's crazy
1: with people is is early in the process, we'll ask them questions about their neck. Or here's one that makes no sense to most people. One of our our initial questions. Can be about, do you ever experience numbness or tingling in your hands and fingers? Okay, now I'm a dentist. I'm asking you about numbness in your hands and fingers. How does that fit? That's there's teeth and there's fingers. I mean, what's the connection there? But it has to do with muscles that extend through your neck that wrap around certain nerve centers that then go down your arm, and next thing you know, you've got numbness and tingling in your hands and fingers. So the 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 what we're what we're dealing with is not just teeth, and it's not just your jaw. It's all the things that are interrelated and connected, and and how do these things function with each other instead of against each other? You know, it's the whole uh, hip bone connected to the knee bone, and all this yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. You know, you're we we spend so much time on, with people on their posture, uh, both head posture, so neck and cervical posture, but back and hips. And, and, and again, what does that have to do with dentistry and, and, and TMJ and jaws? But it's all connected. And to get the most optimal result, we can't ignore those things. You may get better, but not as good as what you could have been if if we didn't address these other things.
0: Sure. And And what do you think are the most common root causes of the grinding and clenching that wears people's teeth down and then i'm sure has other effects where we can get yeah. into headaches and tmj and tmd and all this so what what's the so, deal are you are, is the is the person aka me trying to get more air at night and then trying to create space or what what's happening if, if it's not a psychosomatic thing of oh i'm really stressed out i need to meditate which i don't i don't think was the case with me because of times of low stress and everything going well in life i still was grinding just as much as I would have, you know, in a stressful way. And
1: and that's such a common um, thing that that people will tell us is like, yeah, I was clenching some, but I'm just stressed. And, you know, the stress goes away. I'm not going to do it. Well, you are going to do it. You may not be as aware of it, but that doesn't change based upon um, only stress. You know, can stress be a role in things? Sure. But it's not the cause of things. So, how does all this happen? Man, that, uh, that opens up a big continuum box here. So, it goes back to when we're babies. I mean, literally, out of the womb, initially, um, the ability to, to suckle properly and, and breastfeed. Um, so, are there things called lip ties and tongue ties, which is a connection of the tongue or the lips through muscle fibers that don't allow the movement that they need to to suckle properly and it's very easy to see but yet the person who catches it who typically catches it if it's caught is a lactation consultant you know three months into it when mom is dead tired and sore because it's not happening right and the baby's frustrated and has gas and It's just this whole breastfeeding thing just didn't working. But if you know what to look for, and again, it's not hard. It's just having the the medical community relate, you know, kind of relate one plus one is two. If you know what to look for, then the treatment is also very easy. I have two grandchildren. Both of them had lip and tongue ties when when they were born, and both of them had them released within the first five days of their life. Special laser pediatric dentist uh, um, that that handles that kind of stuff typically, and it changed the course of their development. So let's say that didn't happen, and which it doesn't so many times. So that leads then to typically breastfeeding not happening as long as it should. Okay, so then you transfer to formula different things. Well, obviously one of the benefits of breastfeeding is the autoimmune. Uh, effects that it has in, in helping um, the child to, to have a more optimal nutrition that helps them develop ways to combat things that they're going to be up against as they get older. So when that doesn't happen, then all of a sudden you've got problems with allergies and ear issues and things like that that can all go back to The simple fact that they didn't breastfeed long enough and have those inherent benefits from that. So then that goes on. They've got earaches. They've got allergies. Um, They're typically, with the inflammation that that can create from allergies, Then they they turn into mouth breathers. And there's so many pictures of, of little babies, and you'll notice their lips, and they're asleep, and their lips are not closed. And they oh, the baby looks so cute, and... they do it's a cute little baby but the what they should be doing if things were working functionally properly is the lips should be together and they're breathing through their nose if they're not breathing through through their nose they're breathing through their mouth and that changes the tongue position a tongue is a very strong muscle and it's kind of the developer of facial form especially especially the the upper jaw so if the tongue is resting low It's not in the roof of the mouth where it should be because they're breathing through their nose. So they're breathing through their mouth. The tongue is low. The tongue is not where it should be to help the body form the right dimension of the upper jaw. Then that continued mouth breathing um, goes on over the next multiple years. And which many times then leads into, well, we talked about earaches, the the chronic ear infections and stuff, which has to do with eustachian tube coming from the the back of the throat into the ears and, you know, how that all happens. Children grinding uh, their teeth. And many times you can, people talk about, I can hear my kid sleeping in there and their teeth are are, are grinding. You see flattened uh, baby teeth. That's simply a response of, I'm trying to breathe. I need to get my jaw forward. Let's do something to keep me breathing. Um, so that is a, a, a sign as well. It continues on from there. And now we've gotten tonsils and adenoids that are huge and inflamed and, and, and left in there many times too long. Because again, we go back to the medical community on this. The, the reimbursement rates for tonsillectomy is like next to nothing. So whether it's the right thing to do or not, many physicians don't do it just because it's not worth their time to do it, um, which opens up the, the door of healthcare and insurance and all this kind of stuff. I mean, like I was saying, this can go so many different different ways. But so then tonsils adenoids are, are kept in place, which makes nasal breathing that much harder. Um, as they get older then, and and especially as adults, one of the things you'll remember in your case, we we take a a special 3D CT scan of your head and neck. And with that, we're able to see inside your nose things that are called turbinates, um, um, the nasal septum. and So many people that have difficulty breathing through their mouth, it's related to the inability to breathe through their nose because the turbinates are enlarged, which cuts down on the airway volume, and you just can't get enough air through your nose. So again, one way or another, you're going to breathe. So you open your mouth and you breathe through your mouth. Um, nasal breathing is completely different than breathing through your mouth. You can, you'll get oxygen both ways. But in nasal breathing, you also get the benefits of, of the production of what's called nitric oxide, which has huge overall body benefits um, so this natural production doesn't happen as well. There's also um, things that, that go uh, back and relate hormonally that can affect appetite. And many times, um, one of the reasons related to uh, obesity or being overweight has to do with the inability to breathe through your nose and the lack of this hormone reception. You just keep eating. And so it, it's, there's so many levels to this that all start back when you were a kid and are centered around breathing or the inability to breathe and then the formation of the face that is a result of those changes that didn't happen. So in a person that is mouth breathing for years and and their facial form uh, doesn't happen, and I just thought of this too that I want to bring up. I think one of the most misdiagnosed problems we have with our children uh, as they grew up is related to the diagnosis of ADHD because the symptoms of not sleeping and the symptoms of ADHD are almost identical. And so the, the, the idea that all of a sudden every kid you run into has diagnosis of AD, ADHD And I can look at them and see the physical changes and tell you, absolutely, that's more than likely not the case. The kid can't breathe at night. And there's so many um, actually very moving stories, uh, almost like little documentary stories I've seen on YouTube, of families that have documented the problems that their children have with this exact issue. So the kid... Isn't sleeping. They go to school. They're, they fall asleep. They're, they they cause problems. They're, they're they're not learning. They're not able to concentrate. They're, they're creating problems and and troublemakers, and you know one thing leads to another. Then that gets them kind of typecast into this kind of kid. So that further kind of takes them out of maybe the, the the better educational opportunities over here because it's, well, that kid is, he's got ADD, put him over here. And many times they just get forgotten about or, or lost in the shuffle. And the simple realization that the kid's not breathing and do things to change that, whether it be tonsils and adenoids removed, um, changes within the structure of their mouth to orthodontically typically at that age to create more room for their tongue to look at things that are going on inside their nose to control allergies um, to just enable the kid to freaking breathe and then as soon as that's done it's like it's a completely different kid didn't have adhd couldn't breathe i mean wow and so another issue that we have in dentistry is getting people to understand this because it's not taught. This is all stuff that you have to go out after you're out in the working world and, and, and educate yourself about because it's not part of our formal teaching. But this stuff, whether it be airway, whether it be the neuromuscular TMJ kind of stuff, that has such a, a, a huge impact on people's lives as opposed to doing a filling on their molar. I mean, needs to be done, but no, I can't think of the last time someone thanked me for changing their life by doing a filling. You know, but I can tell you multiple stories of patients that we've had that were on the verge of suicide due to pain and a feeling of, of there's no one else that can help me. Until they came into our office, we were able to address the issues, get them out of pain, and change their life that way I mean so for me personally that that's why I do this stuff that's the impact that that I want to have on on people to truly have an effect on their on their life rather than you know cleaning their
0: teeth so nice that's a great overview yeah in terms of the um, the mouth breathing in kids and um, you know then the subsequent grinding and behavioral issues and all the things that that come after that, um, what happens to the formation of a baby's jaw and teeth and mouth when they're properly, when they're breastfed for a natural duration of time versus in my case, I was never breastfed once. Yeah. I guess. I was, well, that explains it then. I guess I was eat, <laughs> eating out of a bottle. Yeah, I was, if, if ADD would have been a thing when I was a kid, which I don't know, if, I don't think it was. They just said this kid's nuts. Put him in the put him in the short bus. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if a kid's eating or uh, you know getting their sustenance from a bottle, you know the nipple on a bottle is much different than the nipple on a breast, and you know most parents, I think, still give their kids pacifiers because they want to suck on something. What do bottles and pacifiers do to make this problem worse versus a kid yeah, who's no, breastfeeding uh, uh, that's for three it. or four years or whatever?
1: Obviously, great question. Um, and I will say this: there is, if you have to do that, if you have to to bottle feed, if you have to, or you think you have to, use a pacifier. Which you don't, but if you think you need to, there is a company called Nook. It's in UK. that has a very, very unique shape to their n- pacifiers to their bottle nipples, that if you have to do it, that would be the one to do. But that aside, there's no comparison to uh, the benefits that the natural breastfeeding would have. So the 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 changes again have have to do with tongue position, what the tongue does during that process. Uh, It's a very different um, positioning, the the uh, I guess the suction suction ability <laughs> or whatever uh, of one versus the other is very different, which begins the process of, of forming this very uh, moldable, bendable bony structure that we have as a child, and and starts the process either the right way or the wrong way. I can't. I've got a, a friend right now that has a grandson who's. Oh, gosh. I think he's probably almost three. Every picture I see of him he has got a pacifier in his mouth. It's like, dude, rip that thing out. What are you doing? And and you get to the point where a kid's five or six or, or four, you know, in that range there. I can tell just by looking at a kid if they've been on the pacifier for the majority of their life or not because it changes the, the bony structure of their face. And therefore, the lip, position changes, the, the, the teeth position change. It's just, it's, it's very identifiable if you know what you're looking for. But, you know, the, the, the parent many times thinks that, well, you know, it's soothing for my, my baby. It's, it's going to help them uh, sleep better. It's going to do whatever. You know, you, you may think that, but you're thinking incorrectly. There's other ways to do that without damaging the facial growth the airway uh, uh, breathability of your child by giving them this pacifier. So I'm, I'm just, I'm really big against that. Um, there's no need for it. It's a convenience for the parent more than anything.
0: We're just coming out of a gnarly hot and long drought here in Austin, which has made me even more conscious of the importance of water to all aspects of our lives. Did you know that cotton, and even organic cotton, is one of the most water-intensive crops to grow? What if you could do your part to support sustainable agriculture while providing you and your family with the most comfortable, luxurious fabrics money can buy? Well, I have seen the future, folks, and it is bamboo. Cozy Earth is recognized as the world's leader in premium viscose from bamboo textiles. Their fabrics are remarkably softer, long-lasting, and better at regulating temperature than any other bedding I've tried. Plus, Cozy Earth uses a patented fiber process that recycles the water and doesn't release waste into the environment. So this is a win-win for you, your family, and the planet. And right now, Lifestylist listeners, that's you, can stock up with a massive discount. Just hit up CozyEarth.com and when your card is full of goodies, punch in the code LUKE to save up to 35% off your order. And if you prefer a blend, Cozy Earth's linen collection adds a breezy classic charm to your space. They even have silk and cashmere options as well. And best of all, all their products come with a 100-day money-back guarantee. So that's how you make every night a five-star experience and sleep with the peace of mind that you're making a difference to conserve that most precious resource, water. Again, that's CozyEarth.com and the code is Luke. He's going to keep dentists like you in business if they keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, they're going to hit their 30s, 40s, or 50s and come see a guy like you as an adult because their bite is jacked up, you know?
1: You know, it's crazy. I remember when I first started uh, in, in practice, I was in a, a small town in, in Oklahoma, and we had an orthodontist that would come in a couple days a week and, and see patients in there. And the other dentists in the town, we all thought this guy was crazy. He was this wacko orthodontist because he would talk to his patients about about their airway and, and, and getting their tonsils out and their adenoids out and 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 doing all this airway stuff and it's like, man, just go straighten their teeth. What do you't need to talk about all this other stuff Well, little did did I know at the time this guy was so far ahead of everyone else we, we thought he was crazy he was the the you know just the leading the the, the whole Um, area of this airway-focused dentistry. And and I would say this too. One thing that uh, parents should definitely be looking for in in orthodontists as they begin treatment um, with their kids for, uh, for that is making sure that the orthodontist is talking to you as well about airway. Because, again, most don't. And there are some that do, and I guarantee this, the ones that do will have better, uh, more stable outcomes than the ones that don't. So, just a little
0: So, FYI. say a kid has you know, teeth that aren't coming in straight or there's big gaps and things like that, and they go to an orthodontist and they want to make their teeth, quote, straight. It's probably quite common then that they're making their teeth straight on a misaligned bite. 100%. That they're now going to have for life and yeah. have all these other problems, yeah. you know, related yeah, at, to that later on.
1: And, and see the the as someone like myself who deals with these problems after the fact, you know, I, it it feels almost like it. It's easy for orthodontists to get nice straight teeth because he didn't have to see the result of that twenty, thirty, forty years down the road. So. You know it's a success we've got straight teeth little johnny's smile looks great and then i deal with little johnny when he's a big johnny and has situations like you had yeah you know yeah so it, it, from that standpoint I, I think two important things there airwave there needs to be airway consideration in orthodontics and tip and a, well, a couple more things um kind of looking at things In an initial phase of orthodontics, anywhere from six to seven to eight, probably no later than nine years old, to do certain things that then sets the stage for maybe a second round in the 12, 13, 14 range that's kind of a fine-tuning of of things. In that mix, um, unfortunately, still many orthodontists want permanent teeth removed to do this and i can tell you the majority of those people end up seeing me because when that happens it's it's easier for the orthodontist to get the teeth aligned but in doing so it also retracts the jaw and the teeth back instead of extending it more forward where the ability to breathe is 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 that much better the the more stability of their bite is going to be forward not jammed back so and that's what happens when Permanent teeth are removed and everything is retracted instead of the focus being more on forward growth.
0: Got it. So, just that's uh, no, that's interesting. I I mean, I love this stuff. You can go as deep as you want on any of these answers, by the way, because I I know myself and the audience are going to appreciate the nuanced perspective and the details. One thing that uh, I've always been curious about is the common practice of removing wisdom teeth. And uh, I think I've you probably know better than me because you've seen it in my mouth so much. Which, by the way, I don't know how dentists do your job. It's so gr- mouths are so <laughs> gross to me. Whenever I get my teeth worked on, I always have. I feel guilty that the you know the um, dental assistant and the dentist have to be inside my gross mouth. You
1: know, and for me, it's like I don't even <laughs> think twice about it. But I'd never be a proctologist.
0: Yeah, yeah that, that, that's, well, that's if you're going to be on that, one end. Yeah, you pick I, the right I'd, end. I'd
1: rather be where I'm at, not at the other end 100%. <laughs> um, but
0: but to the point of the teeth, so you know, I had the one wisdom tooth removed, and it seems to me, and you know, I did an episode the other day on circumcision, for example, so I'm not a supporter of that practice, having been a victim of it. Uh, but I, I think that God is a really intelligent designer, the ultimate designer, and so I just think of body parts whether the the it's the appendix or um you know our wisdom teeth that they're there for a reason so is there a correlation between babies being more babies being bottle fed and being on pacifiers and things like that where the the jaw and the space for the tongue and all of that shrinks up and therefore necessitates the removal of the wisdom teeth Like, how did that come into practice? And is there ever a good reason for that? Or could you take a kid, like in the practice that you have, your your style of dentistry, and they're starting to run out of room in their mouth, could you apply some sort of device or something that creates more space to allow room for them?
1: Very good points there. Um, So the answer to that is, if you get that kid at six, seven, eight, uh, along in there, and begin a... A process of growing that face the way that it needs to be, then you have a better chance of having room for wisdom teeth than if you don't. But why do so many people not have room? Because you cannot have room for your wisdom teeth and have a very stable bite, you have no TMJ issues, you, you breathe through your nose, that can still be. Well, it's interesting if you look back at, at, at very old skulls, I'm talking way back, okay? What you'll see most of the time is they they have their wisdom teeth erupted on the skulls, and at the time, the theory is a lot of that had to do with what the diet was. So back then, you're you're eating harder, crunchier things. You're nuts, and you're you're, you're using this device to, you know, for your nutrition. But your nutrition consists of things that are very, I mean, you, you have to chew, okay? So you're utilizing all this stuff. And, and over time, as our diet has changed and, and become more westernized or whatever you want to call it, um, there's so much less of that. So the stimulation for the bone to, to be more robust is not there. And then over time, as... Uh, genetically things are kind of passed from one generation to the next, our jaws have actually gotten smaller as a whole. So the main reason now is for, for the problem with wisdom teeth really goes back thousands of years ago to the, the change of our diet over time. You know, you, you look now, even we've been talking a lot about kids. Um, everything's in a squeezable plastic tube. You got your applesauce, you got your, <laughs> your Go-Gurt, you know, everything's in this tube. You, you, and so you're you're not chewing anymore. You're not eating raw carrots and and nuts and stuff like that. You're eating processed food. And I'm not saying that Go-Gurt has caused us not to have problems with, with, with wisdom teeth, but it's an example of how the diet has changed. And, and that change over these thousands of years is what led to smaller jaws and then the inability for us to have room for wisdom teeth now if there's room for them to come in there's no reason to take them out but most of us just don't have the room for them to erupt into the mouth and be functional and cleansable and when they're not then they're either stuck back in the bone they can create other problems with the tooth in front of it they can there can be localized infections and things and so it's better to remove them just to prevent these other problems
0: got it Um, there's an interesting thing that I came across recently, you know, you see just these memes and short videos on social media and whatnot um, about the meridian system and how each tooth is connected to a different organ and a part of your body and all that. And uh, so now people are starting to talk about the origins of the term wisdom tooth as it pertains to brain function Mm. and things like that and as you know i've been dealing with tinnitus mostly in my left ear for a long time and um i thought about i wonder if there's a correlation between having my upper left wisdom tooth removed if that affected something in the inner ear at some point you know i think i had it pulled as a as a kid so i you know it seems to me like again going back to just intelligent design that Had we not been on grains and soft foods for the ten thousand years or whatever, and everyone's heads and skulls have shrunk and we're kind of devolving, right? Um, You know, I wonder if there's a if there's a a more uh, like a involved purpose of the wisdom teeth, you know, that and and having them removed perhaps creates other other problems. You
1: know, and and quite honestly, I am probably not as up on the whole meridian aspect. I know of it, but I don't know enough to really speak uh about it that much but um as you pointed out before i don't think god made anything that we weren't supposed to have right so whether it be your appendix or whether it be a wisdom tooth or whatever i think they're there for a reason and it's uh it's kind of foolish to think that you know we have these expendable parts because they're just there and there's really no use for them so I don't know, I, th- I think that's more a, a, a man-made problem
0: than one of the design of our body. Totally. I mean, think about like the conservation of energy. Why would our bodies be designed to pump all this energy into making wisdom teeth if they weren't <laughs> if they weren't useful in some way? Yeah, no,
1: that, that's exactly right. But,
0: you know, anyway, here we are. Yeah. Um, was I was going to ask you, oh, I want to go back to just kids because I know a lot of parents listen to this and um you know, I want to help people avoid having problems later in life, like the ones that I'm always running around trying to fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned uh, this uh, Superior uh, Bottle. What was it called? The Nook? Nook, in okay. UK. In UK. We're going to put that in the show notes, by the way. You guys will call it lukestory.com slash winters. After Dr. Kevin Winters. lukestory.com slash winters. So we'll put information uh, discussed in that. Now, do those guys make a, a, like a, a different shape bottle, or are they making also pacifiers?
1: No, they, they do both. It, it's oh, okay. uh, There's um, different sizes of pacifiers with this same basic shape, um, different sizes for the bottle that fits uh, anymore. Of course, I'm kind of past the point of uh, of using or being around those myself, but um, I know they the, they used to— had the the top the nipple part as separate from the bottle they may make the whole thing together now but um i'm sure at this point there's multiple products available through their line but um like anything else search it on google and i'm sure you can get there pretty
0: easy great and then the other thing i was going to ask about that was what was it luke what was it the bottles the pacifiers um, oh, tongue, the tongue tie or lip tie situation uh, for people that have newborns, how would they find a, a proper uh, practitioner to determine if that's an issue? No, and that's can a great then, question because fix it?
1: It, it's typically going to be a pediatric dentist. Uh, some general dentists do it as well. Um, there are some ENTs that, that that may be involved with that also. the The thing that's... I think the most important part of that, other than the, the training and abilities uh, from from the individual, but it's the use of a special laser, a certain type of laser to do the procedure. Um, it it revolves any cutting and stitching and things like that, so you don't have to worry about that. It literally goes in and just kind of melts away the, the, the fibers that are connected and um, it's you know, the the healing is quick, easy. There's not a lot to it. The response from, you know, my personal uh, situation with my grandchildren, I didn't see really any, you'd think, pain or soreness or big recovery afterwards. They're just kind of back to normal after that. So, um, hopefully, uh, the hospital um, itself would, would have someone there that could identify that. But in... The preparation classes that so many moms will be a part of them, or couples, whatever, um, that's a question to, to ask the, the leaders of that. There should be some type of network set up um, that could, could get quick answers for that. Now, if not, you know, just off the top of my head, I, I think reaching out to a local pediatric dentist and just asking them, do you do this? And, because if they don't, they probably know one that does. But um, that would be probably the primary resource to start with if you can't find information through the the, the hospital-related people.
0: Okay, cool. Do you ever have cases with clients of yours uh, where you recommend having a tongue tie or, or lip tie released as an adult? As All part the time. Of your, oh, you do? All the time. And you didn't? I didn't have it bad enough? No. Okay. No. <laughs> no, that's, 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 again,
1: one thing we haven't talked about. But that's part of of the kind of this overall approach I take with treating facial pain, TMJ issues, bite issues. The process should be the same. In fact, I use the same pediatric dentist for these adult patients. But um, number one, you've got to identify it. Uh, You've you've got to check for it. Uh, Again, nothing I was taught in dental school. This is all after the fact stuff. So after you identify it, then there's some things that we also work with with a, a great lady here in town named Tracy Brisendine uh, who is a myofunctional therapist. Basically she's a tongue lady. I mean who even knew that was a thing, right? But she's probably the most enthusiastic tongue person you'll ever meet. But what we we use her for with our patients is to help people train their tongues to function properly. I don't know about you. I, I don't go around thinking about my tongue very much, but but there are definitely things that it should be doing and things that it shouldn't be doing. And sometimes it does things the wrong way because it can't do it the right way because there is a tongue tie. It doesn't allow the mobility of the tongue to be there. So the malfunctional therapist, her role in this is to give you tools and exercises to train your tongue what it should be doing and, and, and not doing. And many times when the tongue is, is tied, then it's also weak at the same time. So she'll go through a process of kind of strengthening the tongue. And then once that, that's gone through its process, the referral to the pediatric dentist to do the tongue tie release is done. And the tongue is strong enough to to, to control itself in, in the proper way once it's, once it's loose, okay? So what does that have to do, again, with bite and TMJ and pain and all this kind of stuff? Well, tongue ties in particular... Uh, they're a muscle connection to your tongue, and there there is a kind of think of it like a spider web um, that goes through your body called fascia. Okay, so fascia kind of holds things together, and at the top of this fascia is this connection into your tongue. And there's a there's a ENT in California. His last name is Zagi that has has a uh, on his website. He does a lot of tongue-tie release and is very involved in this. But he's got a, a lot of information on his website and YouTube videos of patients undergoing tongue-tie release. And here's what's crazy, but it, it relates back to this fascia, this connection of kind of everything being held together. So the, there's one in particular that I remember. A guy is in the chair that um, they're filming him, you know, it's they're asking him questions through the process, everything fine, it doesn't hurt, and he's, doctor's doing his thing. But as he's sitting there in the chair, his, his leg, or his foot, is kind of bent over to the side like this. And it's just normal. That's how his foot always sits. It just sits. When he sticks his leg out, it just kind of hangs over this way. When the tongue tie release is finished, looks down and his foot's straight oh wow and so they start talking about that it's like what do you what's going on what do you mean your foot is straight now he goes i have no idea it just straightened up as soon as you were done kind of crazy a little weird when you think about it but it, it it relates back to this kind of this interchange of how everything's connected many times in his other videos you'll have Uh, people undergoing the process again and it's done and their immediate response is like, oh man, it feels like my shoulders are loose now. I can open up my chest and I just feel just different and loose up up, up top here, which again has to do with fascia being pulled. Now it's released and it allows things to just kind of relax. So with that, as far as your jaw position goes and muscles up here, once it's released, it allows these muscles as well to kind of change position of the jaw and and find a more comfortable, or closer to a more comfortable position jaw-wise as well. But um, yeah, so I mean, and that's kind of how it it works with adults in, in tongue ties.
0: All right, folks, it's time for a gut check. Now, you've probably heard of probiotics and how critical they are in keeping your gut microbiome in tip-top shape. And you might even know about prebiotics, the stuff bacteria feed on in your gut. But what you probably haven't heard much about are postbiotics. They're not widely known, but they're an important piece of the whole gut puzzle. And if you're not supplementing with them, you could be missing out. Postbiotics can help you achieve many of the benefits associated with prebiotics like squelching inflammation, preventing cancer, and supporting your overall immune system, while giving you more tailored control over your desired health outcomes. And you can even target age-related decline using a postbiotic like urolithin A. It's a potent gut metabolite that most people can't get enough of from diet alone. MitoPure from Timeline Nutrition is a breakthrough postbiotic that promotes the recycling of damaged mitochondria using the well-documented power of urolithin A. And check this out, just 500 milligrams of MitoPure delivers 6 times more urolithin A than a whole glass of pomegranate juice. It's a must-have when it comes to hacking the aging process, upgrading mitochondrial function, increasing cellular energy, and improving muscle strength. So head on over to TimelineNutrition.com slash Luke and punch in the code Luke10 to get 10% off any 2-, 4-, or 12-month MitoPure plan. Or pick their new starter pack to try all three forms of MitoPure and see which one fits best for you. Again, that link is TimelineNutrition.com slash Luke, and the code is Luke10. Let's talk about the uh, diagnostic process that, that you do which for me as someone who's just into crazy health stuff was really interesting i like being hooked up to electrodes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know something cool is happening uh but the, the the stuff that we did in terms of diagnostics was very different than and i've seen some great dentists and of course you know they might take a look for cavitations with you know a certain scanner and things like that so beyond just regular x-rays but um, you were hooking me up to TENS machines and all and kinds, all of, kinds stuff. of stuff. So yeah. maybe, you know, I didn't ask that many questions as we were doing it. I just kind of went with the flow. But maybe break down, you know, a typical process for you in terms of diagnosing someone's bite. Sure. And then how you go about determining how you're going to fix it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, early in, in the process, we still take normal uh, dental x-rays and stuff to because uh, we're looking for normal dental problems, you know, as part of, of, of the process. So, whether it be gum disease or bone loss or cavities, I mean, that's kind of all included. But more specifically to wh- what our focus is here is um, we start with a, a 3D CAT scan uh, of the head and neck. And so, we're looking at cervical vertebrae alignment. We're looking at nasal passages. We're looking at sinuses. We're looking at um, jaw position within the joint we actually check for crowded artery calcifications and, and and or even even others as well that can be indications that hey you know you need to get with your physician because this is a stroke ready to happen type of thing um, so we're, we're able to utilize it for multiple things uh, in addition, and, and this is rare, but it's part of the process. That there can be tumors and cysts and things that that we can find uh, through the use of that, because it's such a uh, uh, encompassing view of the head and neck. But gives us a lot of early information. Um, we combine that with uh, an extensive history of issues, um, both. Uh, kind of how the patient is feeling and, and, and what they've noticed over the years, in addition to what I'm visually seeing inside their mouth and, and, and visually looking at their, um, posture, looking at their head position, looking at, you know, is the shoulder down versus that, you know, just all this alignment stuff that you have no idea I'm doing it, but I'm, it's part of what I'm doing, um, we take that and come up with kind of a, an, an early uh, thought of what might be going on. Now, the next step in this, and we have some very unique technology that we're able to analyze uh, muscle activity live. So it's it's a way of using what's called an EMG to get uh, the activity of certain muscles that we put all those little pads on that you remember. Um, we can also track movement of the jaw in in six dimensions. So um, by use of a magnet that's placed and opening and closing and moving, we can track jaw movement um, and and how that relates to what the muscles are doing. So we get not only that the jaw opened, but this muscle contracted to make it move and and it just gives us a complete picture of everything related jaw-wise. Once we have that, then... I can put all the information together and kind of come up with a plan of, of attack. You know, how are we going to do this? What does this person need? Um, and in many cases, and this was the case for you, we started with what's called an orthotic. So an orthotic is used to, to help simulate this new jaw position and it looks like the muscles want the jaw to be in, but the teeth keep telling it to go over here in the wrong position. So in order to find that position, we utilize a very special frequency of TENS unit to, to stimulate uh, a couple of nerves that then innervate multiple muscles and tell those muscles to just kind of chill out. Uh, it gets them into their their most um, or to their best physiologic state. It gets rid of lactic acid. It pumps in um and oxygen and, and just changes the chemistry inside the muscle to a point that the muscle is as optimally conditioned as it can be. When that happens, there's typically a movement of the jaw as well. So the jaw may, may decompress, it may open a little bit, it, it typically will come a little bit forward, which is why in so many people we see wear on teeth of the front teeth, the lower front teeth in particular, because it's easier to see than the back of the, or the inside of the upper teeth. But lower front teeth with wear is there because the lower jaw is trying to come forward, but the upper teeth are in the way, and so they sit there and they rub on each other. Oh, interesting. Right? So the muscles are telling you, I'm trying to get forward, but I can't get there because these stupid teeth are in my way. So I'm going to get rid of these teeth. Okay? I'm just going to grind them away. Oh, man. Okay? Okay.
0: You bring it back, traumatic memories of my old, (laughs) my poor old teeth.
1: Yeah. So, when that happens again, the the jaw will will open. It will typically come forward. It can, you know, rotate in any kind of dimension here until it finds this place where, from a muscular standpoint, it's just kind of hanging out in space. So we're going to capture that position with some some material that we squirt between the teeth and hardens, and it. Enables us to to capture the relationship of the top teeth to the bottom teeth. So when that's, the
0: when the all the musculature in in the face and neck is relaxed. Yes. Yeah. Right. So the teeth aren't touching at that point. Yeah.
1: Now how much they're not touching is that's always different on every person based upon what their body is um, asking. One of the things with the traditional approach here is maybe with a, a night guard or whatever. It's like oh, I'm going to take some impressions of your teeth. I'm going to make this night guard and then you just wear it. Well, how does the guy in the dental lab who's making the night guard know where to put your bite? mean, obviously he doesn't. So it's kind of a one size fits all, put it in your mouth. The dentist says, all right, tap on this. Let me grind it. How's that feel? Okay. That's your answer. Well, sometimes it works, but many times it doesn't work. Many times it creates more of a problem than what was there originally, because it's just doing something without any knowledge. Now, utilizing all this technology that we have, I have the knowledge. I know where the muscles want to be. I know where the bite needs to be. And so we test that out with this orthotic. So there's two different types of orthotics we use for different situations. One is fixed, which is uh, it fits on your lower teeth. It is shaped like teeth. It looks like teeth. It just makes your lower teeth taller. So if you can imagine your jaw opening and now there's space in there, this orthotic fills the space in. So now you can close, it touches your upper teeth, the the orthotic touches your upper teeth, but your jaw is down here where the muscles want it to be. So this is kind of our test drive for for the bite. The technology has shown us that the muscles are comfortable here. It looks good based upon my knowledge of different things. Let's try that position and see how you do. We'll put the orthotic in. And there's another kind that's removable that is used for different situations, but the process behind it is the same. So you've got the orthotic in place and you just wear it. You chew, you talk. I mean, you remember this.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember how difficult it was to adjust because I had a upper and lower orthotic, which is like what he's describing you guys subjectively. My experience of it was, you know, uh, a, a singular row of teeth on the bottom, a singular row on top, so not individual teeth. Um, kind of like a night guard, but it just looks like teeth. Looks like know? teeth, right. And man, I remember coming home and trying to talk and eat and chew. It was so weird. Yeah,
1: and, and I'll tell you, in your case, doing the, the the upper and lower orthotic, we do that maybe one time out of 20.
0: Really? Yeah, it's usually just the lower but in your situation, it required both. For, for So what for if I would have come to you and said, hey, um, you know, my teeth are jagged and yellow and I can't chew very well. And, you know, I'm going to end up getting more cavities and having to drill and fill more of my teeth. Yeah. What if I would have come in and said, I just want my teeth to look pretty. I don't care where my bite is. I just mm. want to leave my crappy bite uh, and jaw position where it is. But I just want it to look better. Would you even do that? Yeah,
1: so here's how we handle that, because we we get that situation
0: uh, from time to time.
1: Look, I will do it for you as long as you are informed of what you're asking for, okay? Here's what's going to happen. I don't know when, but here's what will happen. You know, there's a chance that the porcelain will break. There's a chance that you'll have to redo some things at some time. I'm going to give you a, an orthotic type of nighttime appliance that I'm going to ask that you wear, Now, whether they do or not, it's up to them. But here is the best way that I can, best thing I can do for you to make sure that this lasts as long as it can. Knowing that, it's not the right way to do it. If you choose for me to do this and you understand all these things, I can do it for you. But it's a compromise. There are limitations. Here's what you should expect. And if you're okay with that, you know, I, I'm still going to do a great job of, of, of doing the case, but there are things that are then out of my control. Got
0: right. it. Got it. it. Okay. And, and so, in in my case, my natural tooth matter was just there. It's beyond repair. There just yeah. wasn't enough of it there to do anything with. Right. So, which it, is
1: why we had to do top and bottom.
0: Okay. Okay. Got it. So, right. um, so I, you know, for me, it was a no brainer. A, I want my jaw properly aligned and to alleviate neck and back issues and all of those things um and so i had to get all crowns and veneers anyway whether or not we fix the bite or not what if what happens when a a a client comes to you and their original teeth are in good shape they're not all jagged and chipped up and grinded down and all that is there a way to do what you did with me to move their bite into its proper position without doing all the crowns and veneers? No,
1: very good. So here's kind of the, the, the option, typical options for handling bite issues, okay? One, you can just do a removable orthotic and just wear plastic from now on. Some people can wear it just at night. Some people can wear it a few hours a day and night. Some people can only be comfortable if it's in their mouth, so they wear it 24-7. Now, usually that's a a financial decision, that they just can only do this, and although they might want to do more, this is all that they can, can, can afford to do at the time. So it doesn't mean that other things can't be done later, but right now this is all I can do. Okay, so there's that angle. Sometimes the bite change is enough that we can just do what we call an onlay, on back teeth. So maybe you just do maybe four back teeth or eight back teeth by and, and again you think about it this way, as the bite opens, you've created space. You just need to fill that space in. So you're you're not having to cut the tooth down to do like a crown or something like that. You're just kind of building it up. You're it's onlaying the tooth, right? So sometimes you can just do onlays. Sometimes you can do a single arch whether it be the top teeth or the bottom teeth. And then sometimes you have to do all the teeth. So there's all these different combinations. Then also, there's a a way of doing orthodontics at times to move teeth into that that position. Uh, I've done that with patients in the past. I'm currently not doing more of those cases for for different reasons, but there are um, some dentists around that can and utilize this bite change information and then move the teeth into that position. Using
0: like braces. Using and braces, and, okay. and, and, yeah.
1: And, and to, to, to get away from doing uh, a bunch of onlays or veneers or whatever on, on teeth. You know, the typical scenario there is the, the 22-year-old girl that's never had a cavity in her life. You know, I don't really feel that great about putting crowns and veneers on all her teeth. Right. You know? Right. Um, Sometimes you have to because there's no other choice. And and again, it's done in a way that's going to last for many, many years and and as good as it can be done. But if, if I had my, my uh, options, I'd rather not. Sometimes you don't have that option. But so that's a a great candidate to do things maybe orthodontically. Um, Great teeth, just jaw pain, you know, and, and how can we improve things by, still using the orthotic to test this new bite position. And if if that alleviates symptoms, then we know we're on the right path. Now we just got to make the teeth come together.
0: Got it. Okay. So, yeah. So y- if it's possible to salvage perfectly healthy teeth, that's one option. Always the goal. Because in order to put on the crowns and veneers, I mean, you have, depending on how much tooth matter is left there, but you have to grind down uh, the original tooth to varying degrees in order to f- make room for the porcelain, right? Well, in,
1: but the, the the word you said there, varying degrees, is very true because sometimes I can shape a tooth in a way, because uh, remember, again, we've got extra room. We've got space between the teeth, so we're, we're, we're adding to, we're augmenting these teeth. Sometimes I can just create a little, what I call a margin, a little edge along the, the tooth to, to give a place for the porcelain to sit against. And that's all I, I have, to, have to do on the tooth itself. There's very, very little tooth removal because we're building things up. Now, that same patient in a bite that's already closed together, the teeth are touching, there's no room to, to augment it. Then I have to take tooth structure away to create room for the porcelain to fit inside that bite. Sure. Okay. But so many times what we're doing, there's excess room. So the preparation of the teeth themselves can be... Very conservative, and get the job done. So there's no reason to grind down just to build back up.
0: Right, right. and I've already it,
1: got too much room. I just want to. <laughs> I just want right. to augment it.
0: And in a case like mine, since my teeth were were ground down to nubs, you you probably didn't have to remove that much of the yeah, original. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the work matter. is already <laughs> done. For I've me. been doing it, sleeping <laughs> yeah. every night, grinding my teeth you for started years. You
1: started years ago for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, that that's interesting. Um, let's go into TMJ is this, you know, I get questions about this all the time. And, uh, I know it's just such a prevalent issue for people, um, but not only TMJ, but the difference between that and TMD. Yeah.
1: Well, TMJ probably is a more commonly known phrase, uh, TMJ, temporal mandibular joint. Um, people say, oh, I've got TMJ. Well, actually you have two TMJs, one on the right, one on the left. It's just a catch-all phrase that, that people have become used to hearing. TMD, temporal mandibular dysfunction, is actually the more accurate name for this situation. Okay. So the dysfunction is what we're talking about. We're not talking necessarily about, again, the joint itself, because everybody has two TMJs, right? We're talking about the dysfunction of those joints. Um. And what all that can encompass is a big list. Um, but let's go through maybe some of the more common things related to the dysfunction of the joints. So TMD, Um extremely common one that's so not connected is headaches. I mean, simple headaches, migraine headaches, um, all kinds of headaches. And the majority of any headache is a muscle-related response. Now, there are things that are, are, are related to arterial uh, issues and, and things that create a, a specific subset of headaches. But most headaches are muscle-related in one way or another. What's the goal of neuromuscular dentistry? Is To relax muscles.
0: All right, hopefully we all know by now that sauna therapy is really good for you. The unfortunate fact is, my friends, is that we live in a toxic, stressful environment. So the scientifically proven benefits of a sauna are a no-brainer. Now the problem is, of course, that many people don't have the space at home or cash in the bank to afford a full-size sauna. Well, our homies over at Bond Charge solved this with their brand new infrared sauna blanket. From blue light glasses to red light therapy and EMF management and circadian friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. So the, the Bond Charge sauna blanket is badass because it's lightweight, extremely portable, quick to set up, and very compact to store away when you're done using it. And thankfully, they paid attention to the details and made this thing very low EMF. And it heats up to get you sweating much faster than a traditional box sauna. It works by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise so you burn calories as you chill and listen to music, meditate, or even read a book. In fact, and this is crazy but true, you can burn up to 600 calories in just one session just lying there. Pretty sweet. And of course, sweating helps you eliminate heavy metals and other toxins, which are unfortunately so prevalent in today's world. But I got to say my favorite part is that a short session in the sauna blanket releases a grip of feel-good endorphins, which leaves you feeling euphoric after your session. Combined with the cold plunge, this is my number one mood booster hands down. All right, you ready to get your sweat on? Here's what you do. Go to bondcharge.com and use the code LIFESTYLIST to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E, bondcharge.com. And again, the coupon code is LIFESTYLIST for
1: 15%. An extremely common symptom being headaches. What we're trying to do there is because the majority of headaches have some type of muscle component to it is exactly what we do in neuromuscular dentistry. That is relaxed muscles. Once muscles are relaxed, then um, these type of symptoms, whether it be headache or other, uh, others that we'll talk about here in a minute, begin to improve. Many times can go away. So you, we can literally take people that are dealing with daily headaches, chronic weekly migraine-type headaches, a um, combination of all those and to the point that it has affected their life for months and years and it's just become who they are is another headache and we can make them go away simply by changing jaw position and allowing these muscles to relax. So okay. headaches is a very common one. Um, now, the obvious thing of clicking, popping, joint-related uh, pain and discomfort, facial pain, um, very obviously that's that's related to a, a, a TMD type of thing. One thing that's not so connectable or noticeable, and you talked about this earlier, are neck-related issues. So, tension, tightness, mo- lack of mobility, um, all these types of things are related to, and most people say, yeah, I carry all my stress in my neck. No, you, you don't. You know, there's, there's reasons why those muscles are tense or tight. Um, but we're, we're taught that it's a stress response. It has nothing to do with that. It, it's a, it, it's a, uh, a result or, it, you know, I guess, a result of things that are causing those muscles to be the way that they are. So think of it this way as far as head position goes, which directly affects neck um, uh, health, I guess, is if you're hanging on to a bowling ball. Okay, so a bowling ball says 12 pounds. You've got it in your hand. You're holding it up against your body, up close and tight here. And you can hold the bowling ball okay. It's not, not a big deal. All right, so let's take that same bowling ball and extend your hand out about six inches. That 12-pound bowling ball just doubled in, in its actual weight or, or the feeling of what it, what it is. And let's take it out six more inches. Bowling ball just got heavier again. It's an exponential change the further it gets away from the center of your body. So now, let's do the same thing with your head. Head forward. What has to happen to keep my head from just falling down? Well, these muscles in the back of my neck and my traps have to contract to keep my head upright. Let's let it go even further. Now they've got to contract more. So whether you know it or not, these muscles are working 24-7 just to keep your head upright so you can breathe. So... Like any muscle, I mean, if I go to the gym and I'm working out and I'm doing bicep curls, it gets to a point where I can't do any more bicep curls because muscle just tired. Well, these kind of muscles don't have the chance to just decide to turn off and not work. You know, you, you your jaw continues to move, your head continues to move, it has to be upright. And, so because they're forced to continue to work all the time and they don't really get a chance to rest and recover, then that's when they reach this kind of this beyond threshold of, of, of their capabilities of, of doing work properly. And so then symptoms come in. Got it. Tension, Got it. tightness, stiffness of your my neck, many times has to do with cervical
0: neck posture, head posture. Which is probably even... Compounded by our addiction to devices, right? Always like text neck, looking down at your cell phone all day long. The, like, the, you know, you see people like my, many people have these big lumps on the back of their. You know, like, what is that? My business cervical going away. is it the cervical spine, the right top bit? Yeah, it's like I my see, business
1: is not going away thanks to cell phones.
0: You, you've seen this has been made worse, huh? Hundred percent. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. And and now, so let's add another ten years, another twenty years to uh, the the graduating high school senior that's addicted to their phone and goes through life still addicted to their phone and their head is always
0: down, I guarantee you they're going to be seeing me. Wow. Yeah. I, I've not very successfully tried to habituate myself. I'm looking at my phone to hold <laughs> it hard. up here. Then my arm gets tired, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, oh God. Put yeah, it back it, down, you it's know? hard, but but, yeah, when you when you walk around, you know, a crowded city, Austin, New York City, wherever, you know, and you just see people walking around all the their, time with their head hanging over their phone, you know, I'm all like, the time. oh, man. Because you,
1: you see a group of teenagers that are all together. They're supposed to be hanging out, talking with each other, whatever. No one's saying a word. They're just all down their phones. Yeah. They're together, but they're, like, t- texting the person who's standing right next to them. Yeah. You know, just through their phone. So, yeah, that—, that that head position thing is, is is and is going to be huge as far as
0: as, as health goes down the road. One hundred percent. One thing that was compelling when I was trying to when I realized that I needed to make I needed a whole mouth restoration, which is yeah. what you call it, right? What we sure. did. Yeah. So I was just trying to you know think of any dentist I ever saw or friends of mine that had, had um, you know back in California cosmetic dentistry done and so i was reaching out just trying to figure out who i was going to go see and then when i reached out to kyle he said oh man you know dr winters is amazing he fixed me up and one thing kyle said to me he said for the first time in my life i can sleep on my back without waking up snoring or choking you know basically and so um I, i i've never been told by anyone i've ever slept with that i'm a snorer but I was grinding you know, yeah. for God knows how long. So how are these um, issues fundamentally related to snoring and, love and sleep apnea? And maybe you could even define sleep apnea because I don't even know exactly what that is. Sure. It's just a term I've heard.
1: Yeah, let's, let's talk about that because it's, it's so common. Um, so basically, people know about two things. They've heard of snoring. They've heard of sleep apnea. They may not know exactly what it is when we talk about that, but there's all kinds of different diagnoses of what we call a sleep breathing disorder that are in between snoring and sleep apnea. Multitudes of different different, uh, levels of of sleep breathing disorders, I should say. So, you know, it used to be the thought was, um, you know, grandpa's over on the couch and he's snoring and isn't that just funny and ha ha ha. No big deal. He's just snoring but in actuality snoring is a symptom of not getting enough oxygen and if you if you watch a lot of snores what actually happens is when when you finally hear that snore many times it's preceded by kind of this this almost a gasp and if you watch them you can you can see through their chest or even even movements in their head and neck they're trying to get a breath it's not happening and then all of a sudden it's <gasps> There's, so, there's a snore, there's a gasp, maybe, and their airway opens. Because again, brain's only going to take so much until it does something to make you breathe. So, the level that that's happening um, and, and the, the actual degree of it is measured by what's called a home sleep, or not necessarily a home, but usually now because they've become so, so um, uh, sensitive, is a home sleep test. There are sleep tests available that you like go into a more formal setting and into a sleep lab. And um, actually those tests are you know, probably still the gold standard, but it's difficult for people to, to arrange their life to go into the hospital and, and go in the sleep room. And you've got, you're in a strange environment. You're hooked up to tons of wires and leads and stuff. You've got people watching you sleep in this environment that you're uncomfortable in anyway. And so... Do you really get a true reading of what's going on? Or, is, I mean, obviously something's not going to be exactly how it is when you sleep in your own bed. So there are devices now that you can actually do this at home and maybe not get quite as detailed of information, but still enough to, to get a lot of information that has to do with, uh, you know, just how your breathing pattern is throughout the night. And then once we know that, we know kind of what to expect of what, what effects that can have on you from, from a, a body standpoint. Now, again, kind of the, the, the cream of the crop uh, best help that people can have with sleep apnea, which is the, the more involved version of a sleep breathing disorder, where there's significant non-breathing times throughout the night, would be the use of what's called a CPAP, okay? So a CPAP is basically, it's a tube, whether it goes through your nose or your mouth, of forced air that makes you breathe. So it's kind of like a hurricane blowing in your face while you're breathing. And the thing with CPAPs are they work. They are, they work. There's no question about it. The other reality about CPAPs is that everyone hates them and they don't use them. Because are, they, are they noisy? They can be noisy. They can just be obnoxious because you're tied to this tube and you can't really move. Or if you do, then it goes over the side of your face. <laughs> and I mean, they're difficult to I'm use. trying to
0: picture one, and it it sounds like it'd be noisy and uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Okay. Wh- hence why people even that need them don't typically and, and even, use them enough.
1: Even many of the, the literature that supports the use of CPAPs says that a successful night of using a CPAP is is based on four hours. So my question is, what are you doing the other two or three or four hours of the rest of the night? If they're saying that the CPAP is great and it works and it's successful, but you're only using it four nights that's or four hours during the night, that's half your night. That's half your sleep. So, It, while it works, the problem is how people use it or don't use it. And so, uh, if you can get past that, you can't beat the results of it. But it's just, every now and then, you'll you'll find that unicorn somewhere that they love it, they use it every night, you know, but for every one of those, I've got 20 more that, that hate it and don't use it. One thing now related kind of back to what we do with... Uh, so much of our focus being on airway and this kind of stuff is that we offer devices to help breathe better at night while you sleep. And it utilizes the same principles of relaxed muscles and an opening airway. And then with a special appliance that you wear in your mouth, it allows your jaw, your lower jaw, which is then connected your or, or this, the front part of your throat all the soft tissue, the muscles, your tongue is all connected to the lower jaw. So if we can keep the lower jaw from falling back as you lay down, gravity takes over, muscles relax, everything kind of collapses. If we can keep that from happening, now we've kept the airway as full and open as it can be.
0: And is this the device that uh, that I got where there's an upper, it's kind of like wearing an upper and lower night guard at the same time. That's right. Okay. That's right. And so So that's that's keeping the lower jaw out here. And and what you
1: notice with that, you can you can open and close, but you can't go back. Right, right, right. Which is the whole goal uh, of this is to keep things forward, keeping airway open. So um, now there's also many uh, uh, studies released, kind of comparing the effectiveness of this versus a CPAP. Okay. Now again, in in advanced. Uh, Sleep, apnea issues, I I have nothing bad at all to say about uh, about a CPAP. It's what you need to be doing. But if you're not going to do it, what's the next best thing? Well, it would be an appliance like what you have that keeps the airway as open as it can be. And much different than the CPAP, these are very usable. You get used to it after the first few nights. It's like you just put it in and you go to sleep and it's not that big a deal. And you don't have a choice of whether it works or not because it just works.
0: Yeah, it kind of it, it it has a little sort of a a locking mechanism, right? L- keep, little
1: fins on the side, yeah, it, yeah, that it?
0: keep it. Which, yeah. yeah, I think when I first started wearing it, I thought it was just so I wouldn't wear down my veneers from grinding. Yeah. You know, and I was like, this is different than a regular night guard. There's something else happening here. I think on our last visit, I asked you about it, and you kind of explained this this part of it briefly. So, yeah, and, and
1: so in, in your situation, it, it kind of serves multiple purposes. Primarily, keeping the airway open, but by having the uh, the material between the teeth, it also protects the teeth in case something's weird. There's a, uh, you wake up or one night you decide you're going to grind your teeth again. Which I mean, I'm just joking here, but but really, it offers protection as well. So you you get that added benefit um,
0: and, and the airway as well, all within one appliance. Do you ever have situations wherein someone is either unwilling or unable to afford doing the extensive work that I've done and they just get the nighttime appliance to help with the, with the airways? Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's, you know, the, the, the good thing in this is that there's all, there's different levels, there's different possibilities of what we can can do we don't have to it's not an all or nothing type of thing you know because you know there are budgets people deal with and and if if the ideal thing is outside the budget then what's the next best thing well we can do this here's the differences here's some compromises you may have but it's going to be better than what you're doing right now got it so yeah there's different ways of figuring out what level you're going to play in this game
0: yeah well one thing that i think is hopeful for people because if you're doing the most extensive version of it which i think is what i did there's great financing like i think i fin- i mean i put down some cash and then financed a bunch of it on i think it was zero interest which is great because the way i looked at it cuz it a it's a good chunk of change but for me i thought okay I can keep going, I can keep my old beat down teeth, keep grinding them, forget to wear my night guard a bunch, much of the time, you know, or just don't like it because it'll pinch my cheeks and then I take it out or something like that. But I kind of did a cost benefit analysis and thought, okay, if I hang on to these teeth and I just string them along as long as I can, I'm gonna be spending a few hundred bucks every time I go to the dentist sure. to try to like, you know, put lipstick on a pig or kind of a band-aid Solution, and so I just kind of thought, all right. Well, if I have these teeth, they're they're going to last me probably the rest of my life. I I think unless you know I could get in a fight or something, get them knocked out of my head. So I thought, well, I'd rather just spend all the money right now, fix not only my teeth, also my bite, and therefore you know neck pain, sleep, snoring, all the kind of stuff that we've discussed. Mm-hmm but also just the relief of not having to deal with my teeth anymore <laughs> sure yeah you know it's was just yeah. like oh my god just all those and even though i had to come to your office i don't know how many damn times felt like i should just put a cot in the <laughs> back room and just stayed there so a lot of visits but um i thought every time i went over there i was like oh man i'm going back to kevin's office again i thought well i'm going to take so, so many fewer trips to the dentist later on, and keep drilling and filling my teeth until they're just gone. You know, so that was that was a big consideration for me. Is like, yeah, okay, I'm going to finance some of this. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to go all in. But then, for the rest of my life, I'm going to have probably very little dental work. Yeah, well, I mean, do. you're, you're kind of just
1: on a maintenance phase right now. You know, do your your daily routine here at the house, and then come in and see us. You know, a few times a year to get things clean, and and that's probably all you're ever going to have to do again. So, you know the, and we we focus so much on, you know, all these things we've been talking about as far as airway and neck and symptom relief and all that. Kind of the icing on the cake in these situations, and not not at all why they're done. But you got a pretty killer smile right now too.
0: Yeah, I'm not mad at it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, aesthetically, there there's so much improvements that can be made at the same time. So you you, you look better, you feel better, and it's it's kind of the, the best of everything we have to offer.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because I, I didn't, I don't know, I don't look in the mirror that much. I wasn't really concerned about the visual appearance of my teeth. They were relatively straight. I mean, a bit yellow and kind of short in stature. But now it's funny because when I see photos of me smiling before I had this work done, I go, oh, my God. Like, I had these tiny little funny-looking teeth. And if I closed my jaw, my bottom teeth were totally disappeared because my, you know, now I'm realizing like how far back my lower jaw you know, so was. So
1: here, here's something that, that would, would be interesting. If you can find a picture before we did this of you without any facial hair, okay, so you can really see your face. And then you had one now, same thing without facial hair, what you're going to see is a tremendous change in the shape of your face. So sometimes we'll, we'll talk about um, what we call uh, an uh, instant facelift or, or non-surgical facelift. Because when you think about it, we're, we're changing the dimension of the the bones of your face and the position of them, which many times kind of tends to support your skin better and change the the, the the overall shape or dimension of your face. And so we've got before and after pictures that you would look at the same person and not even think it's the same person just because of how how much the, the shape of the face has changed and improved. Um, you, you notice this a lot on people that have what we call a very deep bite. You know, their, their overbite is you know, if their teeth are together, you can't even see their lower teeth because the, the, they fit so far under the upper teeth. You change that face and, and get it back in the right dimensions and and put, you know, great looking porcelain teeth on it. That change, it truly looks like they've had some kind of plastic surgery because it it takes a face that is just kind of scrunched together and opens it back up and allows the cheekbones to come out and the, just the, the, the shape of the jaw and all this kind of stuff, it, it it's dramatic in the difference.
0: You know, it's funny, I kind of forgot about that, but I have noticed that also in photos and just looking in the mirror, like my, just the shape of my jaw, like my jawline is much more pronounced and square than it was, which I never realized I had like a sunken chin or something, you know, so you don't, you're just, that's you for your whole life. You don't really think about it. But funnily enough, I mean, of course, like if I haven't seen someone in a while, they're like, oh, yeah, your teeth look different. I mean, some people do notice that. But I have had many people go, hey, you look different. Did you lose some weight? All the time. Yeah, and it's like, well, I, I did lose some weight recently. But even apart from that, and I think what it is, is just the change in the shape of the face. It's just a different, you know, there's like a different kind of bone structure going on in the face. So it, it gives the illusion that you're a different weight. And for me, the weight that I lost was relatively insignificant. I don't think would it change the shape of my face as much as moving the, the jaw, the lower jaw No, that, that,
1: That's exactly right. And, and we'll have a lot of times where um, well, I'll tell people the best compliment that I can get. Because I, I, this has happened on previous patients, is that they'll come back and say, "Yeah, I saw my my friend hadn't seen him in a while," and they're like, "What's going on here? Did, did you lose some weight, or did, did you change your hair color? I mean, what's been working out? I mean, you look, you look really good. What's so they don't they know something looks good, but they don't immediately know. Oh, you had your teeth done. You know, it's just because it it fits shape wise and color wise, and and just. kind of naturally into their appearance improving it but at the same time not standing out to the point that you know the the they've got the um, teeth that are just glowing first thing you come in the room you know yeah so it's it's a way to kind of change all that but do it in a way where it
0: doesn't necessarily stand out so much it just kind of fits you as a person yeah i mean that that was my goal it's funny looking back one of the most challenging things about the process and you remember this because i brought allison with yeah. me to, to your yeah. office yeah was picking the damn color yeah you know because yeah. it's like i don't want my same old yellow teeth That were just you're never going to polish that yellow out because it's coming from the inside uh I, I didn't want that but i also didn't want them super bright white and really fake looking you know so yeah we went through this whole thing where i brought allison in and i said she has really beautifully naturally white teeth and then so I brought her and I said, Yeah, Kevin, I just pick the color that looks like hers, you know. But then when we put the the sample porcelain teeth up to hers, it made hers look kind of gray in comparison, <laughs> yeah. you know. I was yeah. like, Oh my God, this is so hard. I got pretty neurotic about it. So thank you for your patience. Yeah, no. Because you you know, you want an outcome that is the most natural as, as And you that's can, the hard you know? part
1: because people will tell me, you know, I just want my teeth to look natural. That's completely different with every person you talk to. What's natural to you is not necessarily natural to me. And so figuring out what natural is, is like a challenge I have every day. But, you know, just with more questioning and spending time and being patient and and kind of working through it, you know, fortunately, we pretty much figure out what it is and, and come up with pretty good results that way.
0: Yeah. Well, we we did it. I'll be damned. I mean, I'm happy. <laughs> you know, another thing about it, too, I mean, aside from aesthetics and just being able to get more air and better sleep and all of those other things. But, I mean, I got to say, one of the massive benefits is just my ability to chew food. Sure. You know, <laughs> it took me a while to relearn, right? Because yeah. your jaw's in a different place. and yeah, You know, yeah. that takes, I don't know. Two or three weeks or something and you kind of figure it out but i notice now i'm just like oh my god all these years i've had a really difficult time actually just chewing a steak or whatever you know it's just it would get caught in my teeth i'd have to always have toothpicks with me because my teeth were so jagged if i ate beef jerky or something i mean yeah, it's like an yeah. hour-long project just to get it all out of my teeth afterward so there's also, I think, just from a nutritional standpoint, I'm able to better masticate my food and break it down before swallowing. It's like my grandma used to always tell me, you know, chew your food. Your stomach doesn't have teeth, you know. And I'm like, for many years, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't really chew my food very well because there wasn't enough strength and enough, you know, actual yeah, substance so, to my teeth so, to do so that So think grind. about it like
1: this. You, you take that inability to chew good, that's going to affect your your the choices that you make for your diet typically less healthy choices.
0: Yeah. Soft. Things that are foods. more processed. I'm and eating the softer. And baby food. Food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you're get back into that old issue again. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. But yeah, it uh, you know that the, the, there's a lot of kind of hidden benefits with that. You know,
0: that being one, you wouldn't necessarily think of that as the first thing, but it's it's a real it's a real result. Well tell me about the other part of the preparation when i when i first signed on to go through this process you guys sent me home with this device i have it in my office that's like kind of a um cervical spine decompression sort yeah. of thing right that pulls that up so i was you know i was given instruction to do that and then you also gave me a kind of a movement program some different stretches and right. things like that and then i had the wherewithal as i said to work with alex and you know he um came with me to a couple of my visits with you. And then you guys had a massage therapist. So there was, I added on an extra component of just you know manual therapy and stuff to really create the most stable foundation for the new bite. But you guys also had a lot of other physiological kind of exercises and devices and things like that too. So maybe explain some of the other things that go into building a new jaw position and a new bite, but making sure the rest of your body catches up to support it. Yeah, well,
1: you know, in, in in keeping with this kind of overriding theme of not just working on teeth but addressing kind of this whole body approach, you know, the thing that that we've talked about so much already is cervical neck posture, uh, the the position of your head as it relates to the rest of your body, and getting that aligned as optimally as we can. And so, one of the things that that we have is a a device called the posture pump.
0: That's it, yeah, okay. yeah.
1: So the posture pump. And it's it's basically, like you said, it's kind of a, a, a cervical neck traction. Um, but it the, the, the goal with that is to restore what's called the proper lordotic curve. So your neck vertebrae should not be straight, but there should be kind of a reverse C curve to it. And when that happens, then we're able to get our head back in the proper relationship to your shoulders and your hips and on down your body. So the, the posture pump works to, to help kind of position your head and get your muscles to adapt to a more optimal position. Combine that with the exercises that, that you had as far as stretching, strengthening, uh, range of motion type of, of movements with your neck is an effort all to get that head position as good as it can be so then we're we're, we're not mo- trying to hit a moving target with our with our bite you know because here's a good exercise for for people if you're sitting or standing whatever just looking straight ahead and you bite together feel where your bite is now drop your head down and bite again your bite's in a different position put your head way back bite again your head's in a different position so your head position plays a huge role in what we're doing and trying to restore a Good bite. So, if we can get forward head posture back where it needs to be, if we can get um, some stability and repeatability of where that head is when we're working with changing the bite, it's at that point then our results of of the things that we're doing, you know, in in that change are, are going to be more predictable and 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 get to get to good results that much faster. Okay.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I like practices whether it's in dentistry or otherwise, that are comprehensive and kind of thinking about seemingly unrelated parts of that. You know, so when you guys sent me home with all that stuff, I was like, oh, this is smart. And I I was pretty good about my compliance with it too. Because, you know, when you're spending time and money to do something that's going to be a lasting change in your body, um, you want to go all in. At least I want to go all in and go for maximum results. And sometimes we'll have people come back and,
1: and we're talking about, you know, how, how they're feeling. We have little forms that we kind of track the progression of, of symptoms and stuff. And maybe something's not right. Inevitably. You've been using your posture pump. Working on your neck. No, I really haven't. Okay, well. And we told you before, there, there's only certain things that I can do, but I've got to have your help and a lot of homework to get the rest of this done. You did it. Had great results um you know people like certain certain trained physical therapists people like alex that understand uh, body alignment and manipulation and stuff is a such a, a huge benefit for me because now i'm working on something that's stable again it's not like i said before it's, uh, it, it's hard to hit a moving target on this stuff and and if if your head's all over everywhere and, and things aren't stable from that that standpoint, then the bite adjustments that we may may make initially are different three days from now because your head's not staying in the same place. So it it there's multiple pieces of this puzzle. It's not me. It's not just the things that we're doing. But I've got the ENT, I've got the physical therapist, I've got the myofunctional therapist, I've got the tongue release guy, I've got multiple people on our team because those are things I, I don't do, I can't do, but I know the importance of them.
0: And if I don't have them, then my results aren't going to be what they should be. Yeah, that's a great approach. And I wish more, more people in medicine in general understood that team effort kind of approach right you find that so many specialists are siloed into their own area of expertise and then you have a patient who has a desired outcome working with just one of them but there's often contradictions between each person that they're dealing with right (laughs) so it's like you go see the orthodontist they're going to tell them something then you're going to say and then you have the body worker the manual therapist your ent they're all kind of like in their own um segregated belief system and they just kind of for some reason i guess just inertia people just kind of stick with their expertise and discount the other players involved that could have a huge impact i mean they they
1: know what they know you know and and outside of that for so many uh, providers it's just they don't take the time or, or 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 make the effort to learn about other things but which i think is one thing that that's unique with the people that that we've kind of brought together is everybody understands what the other one's doing and, and the importance of it and, and, and how it relates to the overall picture for the patient. So not, not too many times do you find that. Yeah, Um, in in
0: whatever area it is. That was one thing that I really enjoyed about working with you guys is there there was no resistance to me having Alex come there and do adjustments before you guys. But yeah, I was like, oh, and he even said that too. He's like, you know, you're dealing with someone who is going to do a good job when they're open to other people coming in. Because oftentimes practitioners of all sorts get threatened by you know, the client bringing in someone from kind of from their team, right? And they, they don't want anyone from the outside kind of interfering with that process. So I thought that was, you guys were like, not only okay with it, but like, yeah, please bring them every yeah. time. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah.
1: No, I, I think that goes back more to maybe the, the insecurity of the of the particular person uh, in case what he's doing isn't right or doesn't work or or contradicts the other thing. It's just, so they don't want to deal with it. I, I just like, well, I mean, you saw like with Alex, I said, bring, bring him every time. I, I want him here because I know that what he's doing is going to make my job easier. So why wouldn't I? Right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that you were open to that. Uh, one other thing when I came into the consultation, you know, we w- with talking to Bo, who is on, a great member of your staff, and she's kind of laying out the options and and all this stuff for me and talking about my symptoms and the different potential benefits of this procedure and you know there were things like you mentioned the the, the non-surgical facelift you know and she said oh, this is just an added bonus it's not why we're doing this but you, the face the shape of your face is going to change et cetera. and then she said um you know I explained that I had pretty problematic tinnitus and she said listen I'm not you know I'm not going to make any promises and it's not why we're doing this but. It's a, a very common outcome that people that have developed tinnitus um, either have it diminish as a result of moving their, their uh, bite into the right place. And in many cases, it also just totally disappears. And so, you know, I didn't get hung up and attached to that idea, even though I would have loved that outcome. In my particular case, I haven't had any change for better or for worse with my tinnitus. Who knows what the cause of it is? It's such a strange... Thing to diagnose and strange things to fix, but maybe speak to some of the patients of yours for whom that has been alleviated. And how how is how is the bite being in the wrong place related to the the tinnitus and different ear issues that people have?
1: Ears are they're they're a thorn in my side because <laughs> yeah, me too. I just they're they're so difficult to have any kind of predictability with them. Because, you know, as Bo was mentioning, we've had patients that have had years of, of ear-related issues, whether it be tinnitus, um, dizziness, congestion, whatever it is, and we go through this process, and the symptoms are completely relieved. And then we've had some that, yeah, there's a little bit of improvement, and then, like yourself, it didn't really change too much. So why? Because basically the same process has happened in each case. Um, the, the relationship... Uh, of how bite and jaw position could be connected to ear issues is simply this: if you if you ever can look at a CT or a skull or whatever, if you'll you'll look at the side where the jaw joint uh, connects into the head, it's right in front of the ear canal. It's separated by a paper thin piece of bone, and through that bone, there's also a nerve that comes from inside the ear to. To through the bone and inside the, the jaw joint itself. Many times, jaws that, or jaw position that's related to TMD um, problems has, is related to the position of the jaw within the, the what we call the fossa. So if the jaw is pushed back against where the ear is and that area is compressed and, and very tight back there, then there's more likelihood that there's ear issues. But as we were talking about before, the process of this bite-changing jaw position is the jaw opening but coming forward. So as the jaw comes forward, it decompresses from that posterior portion of the, of the fossa where, that, where the ear and the, and the little nerve come through. So if, if we create more space and take the, the, the pressure away from that, then that's theoretically how we get improvement in these ear related issues. Now, as we've talked about, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Why, in this case and not that case, I have no idea. And ENTs have no idea.
0: They, when it comes to tinnitus, no one really has any idea other yeah. than, you know, it's related to hearing loss or maybe you had an infection or a drainage issue or being exposed to, you know, loud noise, here you know, super damage. I mean, there's like so many different contributing variables. Right. The only thing it seems like everyone agrees on is that it's really a brain thing because your brain is, you know, missing the ability to interpret those high frequencies, mm-hmm. that high range. And so your brain is then producing what it seems to be missing, you know. So yeah. it's like, it's yeah. just... One of these days, someone's going to figure it out. I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, I'm like, all right, come on. I mean, I've tried stem cells and lasers and all kinds of different things. And- yeah. Uh, you know, some days it's worse than others, but it, it is a really complex issue, you yeah. know. And it, it's,
1: uh, as you said, it's just so multifactorial. It, could it be is, this or that, or this combination, and just never ending almost.
0: Yeah. And you go, I mean, I've been to, you guys recommended a great ENT here that I saw, and I've seen a couple others, and, you know, they look at everything, oh, we can't yeah. really see anything wrong. It's okay. And there it is, you yeah. know. So it's just kind of one of those things you have to learn how to, for me, just relax about it and just, Mm-hmm. learn how to adapt and hopefully at some point someone figures it out yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad's been doing something called uh it's called a linear i think it's a new sort of technology that emerged i believe out of germany and there's like mm-hmm. 15 audiologists that have been chosen around the united states to get trained and use this device and he and he's had some success it's been two or three months fortunate mm-hmm. really? yeah it's okay. uh it's interesting they the audiologist figures out what frequency you're hearing. Mm-hmm. And then this device plays that frequency in your ears while you have what looks to be like a TENS unit that clips to your tongue. And so it really? yeah it zaps you while you're getting that frequency. And there's something about the way that it stimulates your brain to calm down and stop overcompensating for the lack of that frequency. Yeah, but the, they have a wait list. And so I'm signed up for whenever someone in Texas does uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. So far, no one does. But yeah, I was thinking about if he is still stays on track and his keeps getting better, cause it's, we bond over our tinnitus misery. <laughs> right. Every time we talk, how's your ears? And I'm like, yeah. mine are worse than ever. He's like, M- mine are getting better. It's been like three months. So. Yeah, I, wanna,
1: I wanna check into that. I, I yeah, was gonna I'll, I'll send you a
0: link to it. Yeah, yeah but it's yeah. out of, you know, and I've done a lot of research on this and obviously interview brilliant people like you all the time. and. Yeah. This seems to be, in terms of the clinical trials and the results that they've been able to prove, the most viable thing I've ever heard of. So, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward That's to trying. Out. Really I forget what their, I think I forget how many people were in their trials and stuff, but they had, I think, an 87 percent success rate. Oh wow, pretty pretty good. That's and big. it was a rigorous yeah. trial. I mean, it wasn't just yeah. you know, A couple of people. Some yeah. I mean, it was like a legit clinical trial that they right. did. So I, I looked at some of those numbers and was like, shoot. I mean, even if I got a 10% improvement, I'd be yeah. happier, you yeah, know, yeah. to get rid of it completely. Oh my God, be like right. re- reborn, you know? Um, so so you're obviously located here in Texas in Westlake. For those unfamiliar with, uh, with Austin, that's a really nice area of the city of Austin. And, uh, you know, this was kind of an involved, in, in my case, since we did the whole meal deal, kind of an involved process. As I said, there were multiple trips back and forth and things like that. Um, what percentage of your patients are people that travel in from other states people that don't live here i know you work with a lot of pro athletes and high performance people yeah how, how does um, it work when someone isn't local it it complicates things i mean it really does i mean
1: you can imagine in your case which will use you as worst case scenario you know how many trips did you see me through the entire process i mean it was a lot and so for people out of town Sometimes that's the limiting factor that they just can't arrange for to do the treatment, you know, because of of, logistically it just doesn't work. Um, So sometimes in people like that, there are options, less involved, um, the result not being quite maybe as optimal. But, you know, you can do this and get some improvement and here's kind of what that would look like. So we try to figure out ways to do it, but sometimes if the situation calls for XYZ and and you, you can't do XYZ, I, I don't have anything else for you, you know. Um, so it, it it makes it tough. I had at one point um, before I lived here in Austin, it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma forever and ever, and a guy f- who found me somehow from uh, New Jersey and had you know, a lot of TMD problems and he'd been to this, you know, big name guy here and in some places else. And he'd been all around trying to get some help. And he found my name, came in, we, we had some initial discussions and we started him with the orthotic phase and he started to get immediate improvement, but he knew, you know, if I continue on with this, it's going to be a lot of appointments. So he, he just moved to Tulsa. Oh, funny. <laughs> he just, he just, Sold his home, moved to Tulsa, uh, stayed a year, and just to make sure everything was good. And then when he's done, he moved back. Now, obviously, not everyone can do that, but um, that's a commitment. That's commitment. Yeah, and, and fortunately, things worked out well for him, and he got uh, some great relief from things. But um, the more involved it is, the more um, necessary, I guess, it would be to to be able to. Make the commitment to being here multiple times because it, it, you know it, it's, it's a process over several months and it, there's, there's trips involved and there's no way around it you know if, if there were and we could condense things or take some shortcuts, obviously we would do that, but there's certain things with this protocol that you just can't cut short.
0: So I think, I think my treatment was prolonged by a bit because I had a couple bouts of travel. In the middle of that, where I had an appointment that would have sped it up by a month or something, but then I'd be gone for a week here, gone for a week there, so I would miss I would miss appointments. In my case, doing the whole deal, the whole full mouth restoration, moving the jaw alignment, bite, and all that. Uh, if I had not left town and was just here, what what would have been you know a typical time period yeah. for someone going all in? So, let's take this start to finish in a
1: normal scenario, and, and we'll still. Uh, start with uh, multiple problems. The end result is going to be full mouth uh, rehab. Okay. So start with the orthotic, like we talked about. And that's typically a six to eight week process. At that point, we do a little procedure called a, a bite transfer, uh, technical stuff, not to be concerned about, but it's a, a, the next little step. Then you're, you're back for me to work on the teeth. Okay. You leave from that appointment. And you've got temporaries top and bottom in the same bite that you've been in. And now we, we throw in the aesthetic part of shaping the teeth in a way that's kind of the proposed final result. But since the temporaries are temporary, we can, they're, they're plastic, we can change the shape of them. So we, we look at some pictures. We think we, we want the shape to be a certain way. We make the temporaries that shape. Now they're in your mouth. How does it actually look? So we can change things. We can flatten an area. We can round a corner. We can change things as needed until it gets to the, the shape that that you're, you're really wanting and expecting. So then the finals duplicate those changes. Uh, you're in the temporaries for about three weeks. You come in and take the temporaries off. We try in the new porcelain teeth before they're glued in. Uh, if you'll remember, we set you up and, and, and a very important part of this process is for you to approve the shape and the color, okay? Um, because once they're glued in, I can change some things shape-wise, but I can't change the color. So I don't put things in until my patients say, yes, that's it, I love it, put them in. The reason I, I've become such a stickler on that is years ago, before I was so so much that way, you know, I, I ran into a situation where we put the case in and still had the, had the patient kind of look at things, and, but didn't really emphasize the importance of it, and came back a week later and said, I don't like this color. <laughs> oh, man. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, you said you liked it. Now you're telling me you don't like it. I, I can't change the color. So it just kind of creates some, you know, a contentious situation there. So, um it, it, it's important for me, important for the patient too, to to be aware of. Hey, this is this is the day right here. I've got to make a decision. I like this. Do I not? So you bring your wife, you bring your husband, you bring your your best friend, get their input on things because once they're in, they're in. And so um, we get that approval, put them in, and then there's. Uh, uh, several bite adjustment appointments to just make sure everything fits right and feels right and all that kind of stuff. So start to finish on that in a normal situation can be four months. You know, that's, that's a, a, a good range. Uh, a lot of that time we're not necessarily doing dentistry because um, there's some periods where, well, you know, like when you have your temporaries on, that's between the time that you get them and the time we put them in is usually about three weeks. So you're just going about your your business during that time, but but a a fairly typical scenario there would be start to finish around four months.
0: Okay, and yeah. mine was yeah, mine was probably I don't know five five and a half months or something like that. I think because those couple trips I took kind of slowed things down. Uh, I remember an interesting sensation after I had been wearing. The temporary orthotics which of course had the jaw in a new place so my bite was totally different so i kind of you know didn't have that overbite anymore my teeth meet like they meet now it was the weirdest feeling in the appointment when when they were taken out and my original teeth were back yes, yes. and <laughs> then bite and I'd be like what the hell yeah. It's such a weird feeling yeah. Because I, my nervous system had already gotten used to the new bite position, and it was it was so trippy, yeah. Kind of closing so my it, old it, my old native teeth together. I was like, what the hell? I can't even like <laughs> touch them together. It's right. so weird.
1: As weird as the orthotics might have felt going in, you know, then they become normal, and you take them out, and you go back to what was normal—your own teeth before. And It's like, what are these things? You don't even recognize them. They don't fit together anymore. Yeah, bite position has changed. It feels small and little, and like what are, what's, what is this? But yeah. it's it pretty common. Yeah, it was a
0: weird feeling. Yeah, and I didn't want to look at. I mean, I don't know if you guys gave me the option, but I didn't want to see my old, my old teeth once <laughs> I'd gotten used to seeing. You know, I mean, the orthotics look kind of funky because they're not shaped as naturally as yeah you know, the final right. teeth you put in. But right. yeah, it's like I never wanted to see the old ones again because it just <laughs> tripped me out. It was, a, it was an interesting Bring back process. Too many memories. Yeah, it's just interesting. You know, you go through your whole life and you're used to looking in the mirror, chewing food a certain way, or your ability to talk and things like that. Like I remember, even when I when I first got the orthotics, and maybe by the time I got the permanent ones, I think I had learned how to speak. But I'd be recording these podcasts, and it was difficult for me to say s's and you know, I kind of had to learn how to talk again because it was such a dramatic change in just the mouth feel and you said the space that you have for your tongue and yeah. all that kind of thing you know it was, it was definitely a, a funny adjustment for me as someone who but w- makes it, my living talking you isn't know?
1: it interesting though that after a short period of time you just kind of adapt and then you're able to do it
0: yeah. yeah it, and that's what you told me. You're like yeah. I remember when I got the temperature, like, it's gonna feel real weird to talk. Chewing's gonna be weird. I think I was on smoothies for a couple of days because I just couldn't figure out how to chew food. <laughs> and I was a little disconcerting. But I remember now, Dr. Winter said it's you know, you you're gonna get used to it. It's building that muscle memory and now, mm-hmm. you know, now it would uh, feel weird to go, to go back to how it was, yeah. you know. It just yeah. it felt so um kind of limiting and dysfunctional. Yeah. You yeah. know, it it's it's uh Kind of interesting too. At different times through the years, I've,
1: I've had situations where, um, you know, actresses or whatever will be in, and, and they're in, in the middle of a process. But in their temporaries, they they have a they've got a photo shoot, or they're doing something, you know, in front of the camera. And the worry is all always about you know how are the temporaries going to look, and and they actually go through the process. No one knows any different because the temporaries. You know, once you get to the final temporary, not necessarily the orthotics but the actual temporaries, they can they can look pretty good and uh, especially if you're not just right up close on them you know but uh, they're so worried about how this is going to come across but everything worked out great and, and and no one knew any different about it so yeah it, yeah. Uh, it, it was it was kind of kept me awake at night for
0: a while hoping that it was going to be that way but uh, sure enough you know it, it turns out good. It does. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm stoked. You guys took such good care of me. And yeah, that's why I wanted to have you on the show. I mean, I'm, I'm not the only one that's having the kind of issues that I was having. I'm sure it's, it's quite common. Yeah. So I, you, know. you
1: know, the thing that, that we've found in, in, I mean, you've been in the office, we've kind of set it up a special way and have, you know, we've got a full-time massage therapist and, and we're doing things to address issues way differently than your normal dental office. And whether it be the environment or the, the services that we offer, but it, it's it's an effort to serve a group of people that are kind of stuck with no one to help them because general dentistry really can't help them. Medical profession can't help them. You know, a, a common uh, option for people that have TMJ, like we talked about before, is to go have surgery. Well, so many times the surgical process and doing that makes things worse because it's not addressing muscles like we've emphasized is, is really the key to this. So, I've, I've kind of found a, a niche that I'm able to serve and help people in a way that not really anyone else is doing. So, I mean, it's not only rewarding in, in for myself and from a professional standpoint, but I just know that I mean, we've had so many life-changing situations where people have been so thankful for what we're doing. It just it just makes it kind of unique and
0: special. So Yeah, very much so. And yeah. I want to let the listeners know again, the show notes will be com slash winters. And uh, someone from your office mentioned to me that you are uh you guys will do free consultation for people to hear this podcast yeah absolutely cool so thank you for for doing that we'll put put all your contact information and all that stuff but yeah i i don't have anyone on the show obviously that i've personally worked with that i wouldn't recommend otherwise if i have a negative experience then we're not going to do a podcast and potentially send people into where i didn't have a positive experience but it's just been um it's been great all around i'm super happy with the result and you know, I mean, I had to do my part and show up to a few appointments, but other than that, it's like I'm good to go now. I feel a huge sense of relief that not only many of those symptoms that I talked about are alleviated, but I also just don't have to worry about it anymore. It's just like I'm on the maintenance train now, which is, yeah, I mean, I'm about to turn. What am I I'm about to turn? 53. Like I don't want to keep dealing with you know my old teeth. Uh, I mean, it was just a, a constant problem. And also, when you have something like that going on there's, um, you know, I had this kind of minor sense of impending doom that it's like, eventually these things are going to break down to the point where they're not usable. And so you're kind of just, yeah, I'm kind of just like sooner or later, I'm going to get to a point where I really have to address it. And so I kind of put it off and put it off. And there's a huge sense of relief for me to finally just go, okay, I finally just took the plunge and dealt with, you know, the time and the expense of doing it. And now like I'm golden. And, you know, my case is obviously more extreme than some people where. You might be able to work with you know, an orthodontic sort of situation. Yeah, like we've, you know, we've, we've talked about, there's, there's, there's a lot of different ways that we can handle this. Yeah, so, uh, so I just happened to go for the most extreme because that's what I needed, but <laughs> it, it turned out well. Um, yeah. Last question for you. Yeah. Where do you see you know, your niche of the dentistry industry going? You know, you're out there training other dentists how to do this. You've got a network of 10,000 people around the world that are interested in this. Um, I was totally unaware of this, and i 'm kind of in the alternative health space and have my finger on the pulse, I like to think, do you see this as something that you know your average neighborhood dentist will eventually start to adopt? Uh, are you hopeful about you know public awareness around these issues and that there are other types of dentistry like the ones you practice well
1: that's that's a very good question because you know the trend inside dentistry. Is for a lot of corporate involvement in in buying dental practices, and so now what you have in many situations is a you know a for profit corporation that owns multiple offices, and they try to typically streamline operations in a way where it's the most predictable from a, a corporate standpoint, um, not necessarily what's the best thing. For dentistry, the best thing for the patients, it's just how can we structure these businesses to make as much money as possible, right? And in those scenarios, the typical doctor who's there is a a younger doctor, many times not long out of school, who is is in there just trying to learn the trade, you know, and, and how to do things. But then they're also limited in, in what they can and can't do based upon these corporate principles now there is no uh, dental corporation that I'm aware of that has any interest or uh, has expressed any desire to incorporate anything that we're doing from a, a TMj standpoint now that that still leaves the 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 people the the dentists who own their own offices that, that aren't uh, associated with that um, it's you know, I've been involved in the teaching aspect of this for 26 years. Um, it, it's a struggle because it's so different than what everyone knows. And it, it's, I think it's unfortunate in that there aren't more dentists who are trying to be really great at what they do. You know, for me, and from a personal standpoint, everything I've done, from the time I was young to now, I'm I'm trying to learn and grow and be the best at, at whatever it is. Um, whether that be from a, a health standpoint personally, whether that be from a, a professional standpoint and how I run my business, whether that be whatever it is, I want to I want to strive to do it better, and, and that's just how I've I've kind of been built but I don't see that a lot in the profession as a whole. And so the number of dentists that we've been able to reach, although over 10,000 worldwide and that kind of stuff, is a fraction of the, uh, of the total number of dentists. And so do I see this becoming more widespread, more people doing it, uh, kind of taking over as it should? I don't see that. Um, I think it's going to be, a very niche type of, of situation where you've got one guy over here, you've got another guy in that state, um, but having a, a, a the ability to have multiple providers doing this kind of stuff, although I, it's what it should be and what I wish it would be, I don't think we'll ever see that. So uh, the combination of, of the corporate side, the, the inability for a lot of dentists to, to take the make the time and effort to to be better in 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 this field now maybe they're better in something else you know maybe they're better at doing implants or whatever but in being better as far as TMJ kind of stuff goes there's just not a lot of them and so i don't i unfortunately again i just don't see this becoming very mainstream at all Well, maybe
0: this podcast will make a little dent. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know one of the great things about social media and independent media now is you give people that are kind of in a niche area of expertise in whatever field a bit of a platform, and you know, next thing you know, public awareness grows into public demand, and then. Well, you know, and ultimately that would be the thing that
1: would drive it. You know, if if the if the public in general could see the benefit and experience the benefit, then they would then drive the demand for more providers to be there, right? But um, as you said, from a, a, a media standpoint, you know, any little thing can help. So, you know, this type of thing, um, you know, it'd be great to have um, some documentary on Netflix about this stuff. You know, it, it, it's things to that level. I think is what it would take uh, over a period of time to really get the word out. Because look, I, I've been specifically doing this neuromuscular dental approach since 2000, so I've got 23 years of experience behind me. It works. There's no question. Now, you may go into the, the more uh, typical dental provider that hasn't had any of this training that that still relies upon the same thing they were taught in dental school. And they'll sit there and argue with you that there's no way it could work. You can't do that. That you it's impossible for that to happen. Like, bro, I do this every day. It works. You know, it I've done it for 23 years. It works. Why are you battling this? Just because it's outside your realm of uh of thought doesn't mean it's wrong or doesn't work. It works. I mean, and it's not just me, it's it's all of us that are doing this stuff. So the protocol is there. That the, the results are there. The proof is there. We just need more people to 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 be able to to learn about it, benefit from it, and uh, you know help. Like I said before, help a group of people that is kind of
0: stuck with no one to help them. Well, I'm an advocate. I'm going to tell the world widely that it does work. I'm living proof. Um, I'm I'm hopeful. I mean, not just you know this podcast has a finite reach. It's going to reach. Few tens of thousands of people, and many of them will probably come see you or someone like you that has this specific area of expertise. But in the realm of dentistry, over the years that I've been into, you know, holistic medicine and this kind of stuff, I have seen a, a much more broad awareness of. Um, biological dentistry and holistic dentistry, right? When I first got into it, I mean, the dentists that were doing mercury filling removals and didn't use fluoride and all this kind of stuff were very obscure and there were very few of them. And only people that were really into alternative health kind of even knew that that category of dentistry existed. And now I get messages from friends all the time. Hey, I'm looking for a holistic dentist, biological dentist. People know what it is and they yeah. know that that there's other ways that you can care for your teeth other than, and, and you, know, I'll
1: tell you just. To, to the point of what we were saying before, the, the population, people, your friends, they're the ones driving that because dentistry is not pushing it.
0: Right. Organized dentistry is not pushing it. Well, they, it wasn't that long ago dentists were losing their licenses for speaking out against the mercury fillings and all this stuff, you know? I mean, you had to be a real risk-taking rebel of a dentist to even be honest about some of the... The malpractice going on, you know, and the unnecessary kind of procedures and things like cavitations and root canals and people just yanking out teeth for no reason and getting infections in there. I mean, all this kind of stuff is going on. It's a huge problem in the area of dentistry. And yeah, it's going to take people that start to educate themselves and get information about that to help incentivize dentists to go into the holistic area or in your case into the tmj and you know all the things that you're into so i'm i'm hopeful but at the same time it is it is slow if you look at the big picture like how many years did it take and still there's millions and billions of people out there that are still putting mercury in their mouths and dentists that are standing still by it and it. just ignoring, yeah. you know, the risks involved with that. So yeah, it's a slow process, I think, of waking people up on the on the consumer side and the practitioner side. But you know, we're making our little dents here and there and hopefully, you Can know just keep chipping away at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's kind of my my mission. Um last question for you is okay. this one. Unrelated to dentistry, probably, okay. but who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you in your life? Could be a philosophy, a person that have made you who you are. Oh, very good. Um, I think from a dental standpoint,
1: um, the guy who started the institute where I've taught all these these years uh, and, and am now doing the courses for him since he's retired, his name is Bill Dickerson. So, from a dental standpoint, definitely Bill. I mean, there's been others, but he's probably the main one. Um, certainly, uh, you know, looking at my entire life, I think God—I've always had a great faith and 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 look towards that for uh, reassurance, for guidance, for you know all the things that you rely upon your faith for. Third one. Um, well, uh, maybe I can. This is a, somewhat of a cop out, but I'm going to go with it because I, I don't know that, that there would be a singular person with this. But I would say that sports and athletics in general, and the the more importantly, within inside that, the the, the mindset, the uh, the structure, the dedication, the um. The ability to, as I was talking about before, strive to be better and to improve, and, and I'm pretty competitive to win. Um, I, I think that background there is something that's with me daily. And so within that realm, multiple people in the in the sports world, but just kind of that. I mean, that's that's me. I want to want to be the best. I want to win. I want to that's, that's just who I am and that's where it came from
0: yeah there seems to be in your line of work especially as you've specified on this area um, a lot of discipline involved right and you don't have to be doing it the way you're doing it right you can no, just ignore no. everything you know and just be putting in fillings and doing all the regular all day every day you know drill it and fill it and making a good living doing that so yeah. you know it definitely makes sense that you've Gotten some of your tenacity and, and discipline and dedication from you know your experience there.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Awesome man. Well, thank you okay. so much for doing great work in the world. Thank you for coming to hang out with me today. And yeah. more than anything, man, thank you for fixing my teeth, Kevin Winters. <laughs> I'm so stoked to not have to worry about these uh, damn things anymore. Man, you and, look uh, awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really grateful that I you know asked Kyle about it, and I think Aubrey had recommended yeah. Kyle uh, to you, and so there's kind of a, a lineage of us here in Austin that yeah. have sorted our situation out thanks to you so yeah, really My appreciate pleasure. the great work My you pleasure. do thank you